Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So I got a caller that I haven't heard from a while, uh, for a while. Uh, Josh from Illinois is on the line, uh, but we've got. To, we're just talking a little bit, uh, but he he knows that we have uh, uh, Brianna Cannon with the Government Inquiry Report, then Josie Cassi with uh, the Latina Report, and then across the third hour we're going to talk about why all the straight white guys are being kicked out of uh, government over under the. Uh, I, I came up with a new word today. What do I call it? The Brand Obama. Yes, that's that's our new term. The Brand Obama president, pre, illegal presidency. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. So let's get uh, Brianna's on the line now too. So let's get her theme and let's get going here uh, with government inquiry. And let's say I'm scrolling. That's why I'm, I'm kind of vamping right now. Ah, here it is. Okay, back in a bit. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding all of her skills and knowledge combined into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Yeah, you wouldn't be here if you weren't funny. <laughs> That's sort of a requirement around here. Ah, even the worst crises, we still have a good time. Hey, Brianna, how you doing? Good. Okay. Um, we've been busy. I don't know if you've been, uh, had a chance to listen to last week. Uh, we had Jeff Childress, the attorney, um, who got the, the mask mandate dumped from uh, from Gainesville, Florida. We had Rebecca Hardy from uh, Texans for Vaccine Choice. And Friday, I'm still listening to this again. There's so much information. That I'm, I'm taking notes. After, this is the only time I'm taking notes after the interview. Usually I take them during. But there's so much packed into our Robert Malone interview. Uh, it's just absolutely outstanding. Anyway, that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing? Um. I've been doing a lot of work over at um, this big book sale that the Friends of the Library has here in Oklahoma. They rent a building at the fairgrounds, and people from, like, all over come and get all these huge books that are, like, super cheap. Do you know what I want to find? But it requires a lot of work to set up and stuff. Well, I'm sure it's a lot of work, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Well, let me ask you this, because I want to get an old dictionary. I want, like, an 1800s dictionary so I know what words mean, you know, when they're all changed. So that's something I need to look into. If I, I wonder if I can mail it. Can I mail order one? Do you ever get one of those? Uh, probably cost me a fortune. Well, I'll talk to you about it off the air. But I, I need to get one of those. But just out of curiosity, who's buying books these days? Everybody? Or do you find certain people because we're in such an electronic age? Is it older folks? Is it younger folks who have just discovered books? Is it everybody in, you know, all over the place? You know, who, who's buying books? So the majority, well, I was there particularly just this book sale. Um, the majority is um, parents, and most of them are in the children's section getting children's books. Um, mm-hmm. That was the majority. Other than that, I would say, like, the second one for people looking just at the adult books, um, mm-hmm. more older people and, like, um, Jewish and Amish kind of. Oh, that's fascinating. 
Jewish and Amish. <laughs> that right there is, is that's, that's a whole show topic right there. And now the Jewish and Amish hour at Action Radio. Who <laughs> you get? You know, yeah. home baked bagel <laughs> delivered by horseback. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. There's just there's too much potential for humor there. Just to put those two together. Do you have a a Jewish and Amish population in Oklahoma? I don't think about it. Just be like, oi, I didn't either until I saw that, but (laughs) I'm not sure. You missed my impression. Well, one thing that's really interesting. Go ahead, ahead, tell me. What's about the Jewish population? What do you guys do? Do you ride the cowboys? Do you get out of the prairie? Do you have a good time? Do you cook the bagels over the campfire? What's going on out there? Come on, tell me. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it was real interesting because, you know, they would get, like, a lot of books, like, bags and boxes. Like, people were bringing huh. shopping carts, laundry baskets. People would bring anything just to put a bunch in. And one of the things, because a lot of people would need help, um, mm-hmm. like, carrying them. But the one thing, like, even if they had, like, a lot of boxes, they like, they particularly, like, didn't want any help at all. Now, this is interesting. The reason I'm curious about books is because we are such a computer age. And I was just thinking when you mentioned children's books, you know, you really can't read to to kids, you know, uh, before they go to sleep from a computer. You're not looking at them. You're not interacting with them. So the only way you can really interact with kids and read is with a book where they're right there beside you. And I'm just wondering if that's the attraction with children's books. What do you think? I think so, yeah. Um. Because well, most of the children's books are fiction books, you know, kind of stories. There are nonfiction, but most of the mm-hmm. nonfiction books that you find there are a fruits. That's like the the little kids and stuff. So that's what you'll find is fruits. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, the nonfiction is usually um, older kids, like um, elementary school after they started reading, like. Um, Seven, eight, kind of age range. If I was to just guess, I'm not good with ages and books, though. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. No, I'm curious because I'm interested in about my own childhood because I, I had the, you know, I grew up on Dr. Seuss like a lot of us did, you know, us kids of the 60s. And so it, it made, uh, you know, those were fun. You know, I mean, you tell me now Yertle the Turtle and Horton aren't real people, aren't real things? Come on. Gee, you destroyed my childhood, Brianna. What am I going to do now? Uh, but I was. I was like the nerdy kid. I mean, I, there was a, it's a book series called The How and Why Books. And my favorite one was Dinosaurs. I, mean, I knew every dinosaur, you know, of, that was in the known world at that time, you know, by the time I was like five years old. Don't ask me why. I just had this, I, I think maybe a lot of people that was fascinated with dinosaurs. Dinosaurs and airplanes uh, were my other thing. So I knew all the, like the world history of aviation by the time I was like eight. <laughs> it was pretty wild. Um, do, you, do you find that there are a lot of individual subject books for kids? Or, you know, stuff like that. Did the, those kind of things, are those books still popular? And then we had like the Life Nature Library and the Life Science Library. Time Life Books put out some great series uh, way back when. And then I, then I got stuck in the World Book Encyclopedia and read most of that by the time I was like 12. So my, my book, yeah, yeah, I read, I read for... a lot of books until I went to school. <laughs> Once I got to school, I didn't want to read anymore. It's kind of weird. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, um, for the most part, um, a lot of the board books, which are for babies, they went really fast. Like as soon as uh-huh. we put one out for board books, they they were gone within a couple of minutes. So those ones were pretty popular. Um, uh-huh. But of course, we didn't have as many of those as like other like easy and stuff. 
Uh, other than that, I'm not really sure which ones are most popular, but I know the one that I got the most questions about were comic books. Oh, that's interesting. Are you a comic book fan? No. No? I love comic books. Marvel comics. This is this is totally. I had no idea we were going to talk about this. Uh, this is this. Uh, Josh, so Josh, like I say, is listening on the line here too. This is totally spontaneous. But comics. You know, I love comics. Uh, in fact, I had a pretty big collection. I had the one. I had like the goofy side, like the Richie Rich and the Archie comics. I had a bunch of those. Uh, in fact, I had a cousin that gave me all her old comics when she like outgrew them. Boxes of all these things. And then I had the Marvel comics. You know, Spider Man, Superman. You know, all the Green Lantern. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I had one of the original Black Panther, whatever, you know, the, these weird superheroes. So I had that. Comics were great fun. It was, it was almost like cartoons without the, 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 the motion. <laughs> but that's what they were. But they were fun. I love that kind of stuff. You didn't, you're not a cartoon fan? Or a comic book, I mean, excuse me? Um, I mean, I got nothing against them, I guess. I just don't really. <laughs> well, I mean, this um, is like, you know. Every... Eight, nine-year-old stuff. You know, it's fun. It made reading fun because the pictures are really cool. I don't know. I just find it interesting. Hey, if it gets kids reading. Okay. All right. Well, let's go into serious stuff. What's, uh, I've been sort of uh, this morning going over a bit of Agenda 2030. Do you want to dig into that, or, is, or do you have another uh, issue that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I haven't read it through yet. Um, there's like... Mm-hmm. Whenever you go into it, they have 59, like, short little tiny paragraphs of, I guess, points that they're making. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you go down, like, really far, um, it says, like, sustainable development goals. And I think that's where we'll find the 17 that you were um, wanting to talk about. Last well, that's what you mentioned last week. I actually found uh, a bunch of them. But, uh, you know, this thing is so disgusting. We can just pretty much start anywhere and rip it apart. Uh, the 17, let me give you the 17 goals. Let me scroll down here a little bit here. Uh, do, I don't know. Do you have it in front of you by chance or no? I mean, I can go off my copy. Yeah, I do. You do? Okay. So if you scroll down yeah. to uh, sustainable development goals, uh, they actually have the 17 goals right there. We can start there and then get back into the, the preamble. Some really disgusting language here. So let me know when you're there. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. So goal one, end poverty in all its forms everywhere. <laughs> How are they, they going to do that? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think we talked about this last week. There's, there's two ways to end, end poverty. Is you change the definition. In other words, you make everybody in poverty or you make everybody rich. And I don't think you can make everybody rich. So yeah. that, <laughs> that leaves that. Um, you got a comment on that? Because the next one seems similar. Yeah, I think we covered kind of that one last time. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about number two, end hunger, achieve food security, and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture. What the hell is food security? Is that like bugs? <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. Um, well, actually, there's been a lot of people, and I'm not sure about this one. I just know uh-huh. there's been a lot of talk about it, about okay. them pushing people to eat bugs instead of food. Um, like how the society that just eats bugs. And some people are saying, oh, that's attributed to the, um, you know, the lower class citizens that they're trying to make with their genetic modifications and stuff. Um, now, none of that's like a factor or anything that I found. Those, that's just some things that people are throwing around. Um, and I just remember that when you were saying that. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple of things. Uh, Dr. Robert Malone talked about this, and I read this in different sources. It seems like the, the elite, the World Economic Forum, the, the, the masters of the universe, the people that are so arrogant to think they can, you know, make everything great for them and everybody else in the world. There's a couple of themes that are, that are sort of running true. One of them, is, uh, or the transhumanists, they talk about this too, that there's really almost two species of human beings. We're almost dividing into the, the idiocracy and, and the elite geniuses. And so the, the, the 0.03% of the elite geniuses who want to run the 99.07% you know, of everybody else, uh, they're almost like a different species. And so we're going to be in, infused with, uh, you know, brain chips and things to kind of serve the masters. That's, that's our goal. And they don't need as many of us just to serve them so they can knock the population down because it'll be easier to manage. And so it's like bugs for us, you know, steak for them. Uh, they get private jets and we get to live in a, a planned government community where we can't go anywhere. You know, we get our government house, our government job, our government transportation, our government entertainment. We shop at our government store and everything is so planned out and so organized that everything runs perfectly, except that it won't because human nature won't allow this. And this is the part that they're missing. They don't understand this. They cannot master human nature. Human nature, uh, by definition, wants freedom. And although most of the people of the world are oppressed in one form or another, including us here in the United States, that natural desire that, that you know, God created us uh, with freedom in our hearts and minds and souls, that can never be bred out of us. Well, maybe if you turn people into machines, but short of that, that's not going to go away. And these people don't seem to realize that. They think they can breed out the freedom from our souls and make everything collective. And this is where I think the biggest flaw with this entire thing is. We can go over these goals with him and what you think. But as, as dividing up the, you know, human beings, not only by, by race and class and sex and everything else, but actual species, they really think that we're almost a different species. And, and that's the way they seem to be talking. What do you think? Yeah, I think that is how they think of us in reality. Um, mm-hmm. They do have kind of that elitist... Um, Not like the elitist viewpoint, but the elitist, um, um, there's a word for it. Megalomania? Um, <laughs> Is that the word you're looking for? <laughs> you know, uh, tyranny, dictatorship. Something like, uh, I, I, there's a bunch of words. Yeah. Something with the, the end hunger and food security and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that they would have to do that in order to make this everywhere and to have all this food security and stuff, what they would have to have is they would have to have control of all the food resources in order to make that? sure that everything. Interesting. Oh, no, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right on. I hadn't thought of it, but yeah. So they have to control. Yeah. The f- in other words, so food security for them is that they have secured all the food. Well, there's another way too. There's two ways to end hunger. One is to have food for everybody or two if you make the food, quote, sustainable and you only have so much food production, the others knock down the population to match the food supply. So you can either raise the food supply to match the population <laughs> of the growing population, or you can knock the population to, 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 to get to your food supply. <laughs> Where do you see them going? This is like a loaded question. Well, they've already it, stated that they were going to try and, you know, cut the population down um, many different times, like with the media. <laughs> There's one that's viral, and that's when Bill Gates was saying it, that mm-hmm. um, with the um, – now, I'm not saying it's, like, verbatim, so there's some words that are construed, but he was saying, like, with the um, use of, like, vaccines and medicines and stuff or hoping mm-hmm. to help 
and be able to cut down the population by, like, I don't know, like 50% by 2035 or something like that. Like, that was kind of like the basis of what he was saying, like, one sentence. Um, yeah, and and actually, that's everywhere now. But. Yeah, I actually listened to that, and I think people are a little mistaken, although not necessarily by his intention. He might be just couching it in, in, in different language. But what it sounded like to me was that he, his thinking is, if if children are, quote, vaccinated against all the diseases, the child mortality rate will be lower so parents can have fewer kids and more of them survive. That's what it sounded like he was saying. But I think uh, he still wants to limit the population. And have they been as blatant as we were that they're really saying is that we're going to that uh, we, the masters of the universe, need to control the food supply to keep agriculture sustainable. That way, the population has to be reduced to the food supply rather than raising the food supply to the population. I don't think they've ever said it that way, but I think that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I Number think three. so too. Go ahead. I mean, mm. if you look at what they're they are doing and the plans that they have, every bit of it is control. Yeah, these things. Um, it, as we go through these, we can go through them a little quicker now because there's some stuff back at the beginning. Uh, where they talk about the collective, and I think that's really at the heart of all this. You never see the word individual. You never see the word God. You never see the word uh, country. You know, you never see the word citizen. Uh, these words are completely absent from this, and I think we should take a look at the words that are missing uh, as well as the words they have. Third one is to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. Well, if they're going to knock down the population, that's a contradiction. So what do you think they mean by healthy lives and, and well-being? Um, whenever I think of a healthy life, you know, it's different than whenever they say healthy life. <laughs> because, okay, well, let's, let's, know, let's do the two um, definitions. That time yeah. they've had different standards and different things of, of what you can have. Like right now, like, um, remdesivir, which is like that really dangerous medicine that they're giving to a lot of people um, in the uh-huh. hospital, they were saying that, you know, this is what hospitals have spent the most money on is mm-hmm. this harmful medicine that is not working like it's supposed to work um, over any other medicine in the entire hospital. Like, that's what they spent the most on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they have a bunch of restrictions on foods and stuff and the chemicals that you have to put into them. And I know there's a big thing of, like, people in many places can't buy raw milk. And I think with all the restrictions and everything, whenever I read this here, they say ensure healthy lives. And so that, to me, whenever I read that, I think that they are going to put restrictions on all the food we can eat. So after they achieve the food security by controlling all our food, they're going to only allow us to eat all the food that they want us to eat and healthy up to their standards. Kind of like they're changing, like, one of the two avenues of um, eliminating poverty completely is by changing what it is. I think that this might be the same thing, changing what healthy is. Healthy, like, to their standards of what they want you to think is good for you, even if it's not. That's just kind of where my brain went with this. No, that makes perfect sense. I was just thinking as you were saying this, and, you know, there's a bunch of, of futuristic films that talked about, uh, one in particular, was it, I forgot what it was, um, Logan's Run, I believe that was the film, where everybody died at 30. And that was your life expectancy. So you had a great life. You know, everybody was youthful and everybody was happy. And everybody was healthy because they were all dead at 30, 30th birthday. They all rise up and they call it transformation or they call it something like that. And they all go up into the ceiling of this huge building and, of course, they disappear. <laughs> you know, it's not, you're, not, you're not reborn. You're just gone. 
uh, I don't want to give away too much of the film, but that's, but this is, you know, it's like science fiction, you know, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s is becoming reality now. It's like the Twilight Zone was not supposed to be a manual. It's supposed to be a warning, <laughs> you know, of what not to do. Uh, and so if food security means controlling the food so that you, the population is reduced to it, could healthy lives, what if they just set the arbitrary age, you know, that healthy life is healthy until 40, and after that, yeah, you know, you're expendable. What if they, what if they redefined life expectancy to meet their, their idea of what healthy life should be? I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, they may just try and, like, cut down, like, different age groups and, and control um, mm-hmm. the population in, like, um, the age range and dependency and things like that. Just like they'll control, like, all the populations and, and poverty could be one of the avenues. Yeah, you said something really fascinating with remdesivir, uh, because from what I know of remdesivir, it causes kidney failure. It causes, uh, you know, the chest to fill with fluid. And I went through that after heart surgery. I think I've told that story, um, where I had, uh, I think it was the blood thinners that caused it. So I had uh, open heart surgery to repair a mitral valve, you know, because my, my heart was only pumping half the blood forward. The other half was going backwards. And that was a life-threatening condition that I couldn't even feel. I felt fine, you know, I'm exercising. I'm doing, you know, I'm a tour guide. I'm running up and down this fort. Uh, place called Fort Point under the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. I had no idea. And it took, it took five opinions. I, I went to, you know, you, people get a second opinion. I got five opinions. And they convinced me with, you know, the electronics and the graphs and, the, and everything else they did that, yes, this was a problem. And yes, this is life-threatening. And then I, you know, immediately went into surgery. Um, but the problem was three weeks afterwards, my chest filled up with fluid and I almost suffocated and died. You know, within, I would have been dead within a day. <laughs> I think I was that close. It was, it was filling up that fast. And so I go to the emergency room. They're like, yeah, we got to get that fluid out of your chest. So they actually ended up pumping out um, four and a half liters of fluid, which is a lot. <laughs> That's like two two-liter bottles and another half of one, you know, was, was squishing my lungs. And I believe it was the blood centers. And as soon as I got off them, of course, I was fine. Never took them again. They tried to put me back on them. But I understand what this is like. And if I was around in the days of COVID, this is 2016. So if this had happened three years later for heart surgery, they would say, oh, no, you need a ventilator. And, of course, they would have killed me. You know, and this is what happens with remdesivir. Your chest fills up with fluid, and so you can't breathe. So their cure, rather than drain the fluid, like the, I think is the proper course of action, and getting off remdesivir, uh, they send the ventilator to try and push the fluid out. And those, it's like standing on the accelerator and the brake. You know, the car doesn't go anywhere, but the tires are smoking. You know, so this is, this is the problem. And, and so this idea of government health, this is where I'm going with this, government health care, the idea that uh, this, I, I believe COVID is basically nationalized national health care. It's, it's socialized medicine because it all comes from the, from the government. And whether it comes in, in bribes from the, the Medicaid folks that do all the funding of the medicine or it's actual, you know, mandates and control and everything else, it's still government health. So these are the same people that are, you know, the masters of the universe, you know, making healthy lives for everybody. Well, if their healthy life, lives includes government health care and remdesivir, they're really just trying to kill a bunch of people. So it all comes back to population control again. So their idea of healthy lives, it seems to me, is once again reducing the population, you know, down to what they consider sustainable with a sustainable food supply, you know, with just enough people to serve them. It almost, do you see, it's like these goals are all the same. It all, it's, like, it's like with COVID, all roads led to vaccines. With uh, sustainable development, everything leads to reducing population. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and honestly, I think that they could possibly be connected. Okay, tell me how. Like they use the vaccines as, as 
part of their role, like already. Okay. Okay. This is so just a least... theory thrown out there. Not no, no. Like listen, I, I love theories. Like... You know. Uh, yeah. You know, nothing, nothing happens. Nothing becomes fact until it's first a theory. So you got to propose a theory, and don't be afraid to be wrong. You know, you can propose the wildest thing in the world, and we'll talk about it. We'll do what we always do here at Action Radio. It goes to the logic and reason filter. Doesn't mean you're wrong. Uh, and maybe from what you think is a, is a totally wild assertion uh, might lead to something else that actually is true, you know, and you don't know. So this is why I like to explore these things. So I'll give you a best shot. What do you think? Yeah, um, just because of the way, like, it went, um, it, it's suspicious to everybody, and mm-hmm. everybody knows that it was for control. And everybody knows how, you know, um, our government's been working with, you know, the WHO and the World Economic Forum against mm-hmm. our will. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did actually, or if they were part of the um, vaccine in America for control. Yeah, control. I, I'm trying to think about this and help me out with this. What is this need for control that these people have? You know, it's like the people that want to save the world believe the world needs saving and only they can do it. Um, The people that want to control the world believe that only they can control the world, that we'd be, we'd be lost without them. And yet the world does, you know, just fine. Um, When I grew up, I had radical, you know, ultra feminist radical mother who gave me all these books on the, the, the population bomb and uh, the limits of growth and everything's going to be destroyed. And, and then of course, back in the seventies, they all talked about, you know, uh, global cooling and, and there's this ice age. I mean, there's a famous uh, YouTube video. You can look it up of Leonard Nimoy. I think I talked about this, Mr. Spock from, from Star Trek, who says we're all going to die in a cold winter. And this is 1979. Right. And so, of course, we're laughing at it now. And there's a big placard on the, on the video. Well, this, uh, the UN defines climate change as any time the climate's changing. Well, of course, the climate's always changing. And they had some really innocuous, stupid thing. Uh, and they said it's because it's always man-made, whatever it is. But the point is that uh, they use whatever they use, whatever they want to use, you know, to bring all this stuff about. And it's just, it's this unbelievable need to control. So I guess we should play amateur psychologist. I need to get a psychologist on the show that the people that seem to control the most have to be missing something in their own life. What are they missing? What, where does this need to control come from? Because I, I, you know, I was told I had to save the world. That was my job. You know, uh, I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do with my life. I had to save the world. Of course, eventually I rebelled. You know, after discovering I didn't have to save the world, the world was actually doing pretty well without my help. You know, and so here I am now you know, back again trying to save the world. It's kind of funny. But it, it's, it's voluntary. I'm doing it from a position of freedom as opposed to a position of control. And so the real, those of us who are really trying to save the world now, I believe are doing it from, you know, at Action Radio from a position of freedom. But do you have any idea, I don't know if you're taking psychology, where do you think this, this comes from, this need to, to save the world, to control other people, to be, to look virtuous to all your friends, to, uh, you know, wear masks and all that stuff? Where, where does this all come from? Do you have any idea? You know, I've actually thought about this one. But okay. the only thing that I can really come up with, because I really don't understand it either, mm-hmm. is that, you know, they really just need Jesus. And I think that okay. it, those people that, you know, want to control and uh, harm the world, basically, and take away freedom and everything, I think it's their vessels of the devil. I think that's one of the things. Um, I remember... Like, 
when I was reading the Left Behind books, I think I got to, like, the fifth one, maybe. Um, and in it, the advocate was for uh, world peace. Like, that was the sign. Okay. Is there promoting the world peace? Hmm. Um. Yeah. This. I, I just got another call. So I'm going to have to look this up here as I'm as I'm talking. But let's talk about it. For, let's explore these same goals in terms of of Jesus and in terms of God. So and oh, geez, the lines are lighting up now. You, you got a following. This is kind of interesting. All right. So in terms of control, the population they are playing God, or they're playing. The devil, they're playing, they're, the, the evil has taken them over. If they want to control the food, they're again, playing, they're, they think they're their own gods. Uh, if they want to, the next goal, three, ensure healthy lives and promote well-being. You know what that means. Uh, ensure inclusive and equitable quality education. Well, that means government. All this stuff has to come from government if they're going to ma- mandate it. And we all know what government education means. Yeah. You learn what we tell you to learn. Or here's another one, number five, gender equality and empower all women and girls. So they're, but if without God, you know, it's like they're the highest power. So their equality means that, you know, men are on the women's swim team. You know, their idea of gender equality, I mean, the, the Equal Rights Movement is coming in for hearing in, which we should, we could talk about that too. But if you look at these, I think, I think you're absolutely brilliant. This is why I love having you on the show. That if you look at this in terms of, of the devil, in terms of a lack of God, a lack of Jesus. Now, did you grow up your whole life? Uh, did you, I don't want to get too personal. It's up to you to, to reveal however much you want. But were you raised with Jesus? Was this something that was always in your, always in your life? Or did you at some point, you know, decide consciously, unconsciously, you know, where you were saved by Jesus? It, like I say, reveal what you want. It's up to you. But how has this affected your life? And when did it come about, if you don't mind sharing that? Yeah, I was really lucky um, because my parents raised me up um, teaching and learning God because I'm a Baptist Christian. And, yeah, they brought brought me up um, to love Christ and everything. And then I think I was about four years old um, when I got baptized. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been a follower for a long time. Yeah. Oh my. Do you remember being baptized? Um, I was really young. Yeah. I was like two or three or whatever it was. I remember year. parts of it, yeah. Okay. It's interesting how far back our memories go. So for you, it's easier. I think for, for a lot of people, if you're raised, you know, basically from, from birth by parents, you know, with Jesus, with a church, with uh, religion, with God, well, religion sometimes gets a little off track, your life is easier. Because you've got rules to follow, you know, and it's just easier. If you follow, you know, scripture, your life is easier. All the things that you don't do, all the temptations out there that you don't have to worry about because, you know, you already decided that that's not for you. That makes a huge difference. But for a lot of folks like me, I was not raised. Well, I had a weird upbringing. You know, I was in a religious school, but I had a, a, a priest that refused to answer my questions. So that was a disillusioning point. Uh, of course, I was the nosy kid that asked all the, the really weird questions, like were germs on the ark. I mean, I was that kid. And so for me, I had to come about this gradually over, over, you know, from, from religion to not from enforced religion to non-religion to kind of agnostic to, uh, to spiritual to eventually to God directly. And so for me, it was not natural. This is not something that just that uh, I was born with and, and raised with. It's something that I got for myself because it made the most sense. I actually came, came to God in a very logical, rational way. 
you know, uh, deciding the universe is not an accident, that these things could not have happened the way they happened, that the, the more I learn about physics and subatomic nuclear particles, and I'm looking at quantum mechanics and stuff, you realize that there's no way this could be an accident. That's just, that, that, that's irrational to think. So, the, the, so do you, I guess, you know, folks that probably are in both camps, you know, just so to speak, that there are those that have always had Jesus and always had God and always been raised with this, and those that kind of had to make a conscious decision to go there because it wasn't in their, their life origins. What do you yeah, think? and whenever you're talking about that, it, it reminded me because I've um, I, they already finished it and I listened to them, but there was a. Um, like a Bible study and they put it on like video and audio for you to go back and listen to it. And uh-huh. it was over basically truth matters. I think I mentioned this like maybe two times before. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not really sure. Uh-huh. No, feel free to bring um, it up again. And yeah. basically, they have a bunch of different like episodes or classes is what they were, but then they put them online and each of them had like different things, but it all surrounded the same point, you know, like God is the basis for truth, and that's where you find the truth, and that's right. what guides the truth. And um, one of the things that it talked about, it's kind of like what you were saying was like the logic of it, and he went in creation and the proof of there being God. Um, and, you know, many of the things was, you know, interesting and true and everything, but the thing that, that was, I think, the biggest component um, that I got out of it was that, just looking at us as humans, like we are the intelligent design that can't happen by chance. Like it's not just like I mean, I'm gonna use the, the term of you know biology roulette because that's what a lot of people like are assuming it is. Like we're I've never heard that. Chance. That makes sense though. Biology roulette. I like that. Yeah, and instead we are created intentionally by intelligent design. And basically, what he did is he got down to the very basics, like what's in our cell. And basically, it, it runs with all of these different things, like like a huge machine. You know, everything needs everything else. And then they had, I guess, some mathematician. I don't know who, but supposedly um, calculated the chances of every cell coming out and working, or even the chances of just one cell just by chance working. And and even things like they have propellers on them and stuff that make them move and go. And so the chances of one cell, millions of cells, all working and coming together to work in all your organs to make them work, to, you know, there's just the creation of one human being, the chances mm-hmm. of that happening are virtually impossible for one human to ever have been made just by chance. And yet there's millions of us. Yeah, and then to have those humans reproduce into the same, into the same humans. Yeah, and, and you know, and yeah. how do you We're how do you duplicate so humans? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is why the the elites they seem to want to reduce. Um, I got I got Pianki and I got Josh. I'm going to Josh first because he hasn't talked to us for a while. Um, give a chance to to formulate a question here. But these people, these these agenda 2030 world government folks, they they reject all that. They think that we are an accident. That so they have to control the accident. That they have to they have to replace God because to them God isn't real. And I think you're really onto something. This this you know you look at all these things in terms of you know controlling the world. And what they don't realize is that they're not controlling the world. They never can control the world. 
So everything they do is an inherent contradiction, and yet they're running headlong into it, which to me means they're insane. Because logically, they can't do what they're trying to do. Human nature won't let them. God won't let them. The, 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 the way that the universe functions won't let them. And they can't see that. And the, so they, they, to me, they have to be insane. There's no other explanation for it. And they don't realize their insanity. Oh, they look normal. They talk normal. They walk around and, you know, they could blend into a crowd and you could, you know, see them at a business meeting doing their thing. But internally, they're really screwed up and they don't know it. Yeah. And actually, I think that's a really common thing, even just with the ordinary population. It's a, it's a form of blindness. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's look at Josh. Josh has been on the, on the show several times, but he hasn't been for maybe like a year. It's been a while. Uh, Josh, you're on with Brianna Cannon. This is Government Inquiry. And of course, I'm here too. Do you have a comment for us or a question? Uh, yeah. No, that actually makes a lot of sense because um, I had to take a deep dive into that myself. Uh, if there's not a creator, then what is the stuff that's created? What, what, like, that doesn't make sense at all, does it? Yeah, you can talk directly to Brianna. Um, Josh is up in, in yeah. Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Brianna's Oklahoma. Bianchi's probably somewhere in Missouri. I'm down here in Florida. We're all over the country today, but that's that's kind of typical. Yeah. Do you have a question that's for fair. Brianna uh, Brianna, Brianna, yes, ma'am. Um, you're a young buck, right? You're 16? Yes. I told him off the air. It kind of makes you special. I know. You know, he, if you don't he understand, was kind of, he was kind of bragging. It was a little yeah, bit of well, braggery there. Because it's cool. <laughs> it's so cool to have somebody this talented, this young on the show. I just, I'm really happy. Go ahead, Josh. All right. Yes, ma'am. Um, so you're you're a youngin. Uh, what do you think is going to be happening with your generation um, in the next like five years? What What do you think is going to happen? Like. Um, I think there's, I think it's going to follow like that pattern of, you know, um, what what was it's like, um, strong men create easy times, easy times create weak men, weak men create hard times, and then hard times create strong men, and the cycle goes over. I think our generation will be at the point of the weak people and the hard times. The thing is now, I think a lot of the people in my generation aren't really equipped to deal with them as, you know, previous generations have been and um, as a product of, you know, society and schools and everything that's happening. So I think um, it's going to be a challenge of how we're going to fight the hard times. Josh, just in Yeah, that's fair. I appreciate you. Let's get your age, too, if you don't mind disclosing, just because I'm curious, because we do have multi-generations on the show today. Okay, I'm 63. Josh, where are you? Greg, Greg is. Greg was around when the dinosaurs roamed. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Not a million in 63, just 63. Jeez, God, Josh. <laughs> Go ahead. You're like 30 something, right? Oh, oh, wow, oh, all my feelings. Yes, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm about to be 33. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I mean, generationally, uh, Greg was definitely hanging out with the Tyrannosaurus Rex and whatnot. But, uh, no, I, I think that um, I came from a generation where uh, nobody really talked about this stuff because everything that we were – everything that was put in front of us all the time was, like, the next thing – the next hurdle to jump over. And it never came to racial or sexual things. And then after I got out of school – 
everything turned into racial and sexual stuff all the time, and it didn't make any sense to anybody. Like, it doesn't make sense to me at all. And, man, <laughs> I feel for you, young lady. Uh, that's, uh, no, I, that's I think Brianna's going to be okay. I'm worried about the rest in. of them. <laughs> yeah, Brianna's got her head screwed up. I know, gonna, I know. I don't worry I know. about her. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm worried about <laughs> Brianna. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I, hope, yeah. I hope that she is that one cancer cell that just spreads. <laughs> well, I bet you could phrase it better than that if you tried. But let me ask you, Josh, uh, I, the men – the men of your generation, you know, the, the video game, yes, you know, ha- hiding in mommy's basement. You know, this is a stereotype, right? So, so Pianchi and I My generation, generation is the men in the basement? I did not know that. Go on. <laughs> well, well, what do you think about the, the – I mean, are, are the 30-year-old guys, are you in positions, you know, where you're advancing in careers, where you're taking responsibility, you know, getting married, having families, and, and being, you know, productive? Are you, are you – you know, what is your stake in society at your point? Well – I can't speak for the majority of the people of my age, but I do have a younger brother and he's married and he's probably about to have Amish numbers of children. Well, good for him. I know. And I will be very happy to enjoy all of those. Uh, yeah. I'm going to okay. go there for that anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's out in Arizona. Um, when it comes to my generation, uh, now that's, a, that's actually a really good question because we um we had this really strong tier of uh of no we we had this we were the beginning of the anti bullying campaigns then anti which like it what was that anti i'm sorry anti bullying what's that I know Greg's hard of hearing he was no <laughs> no um <laughs> people were i know I have to mess with Greg he's my boy, but no uh back in the day bullying campaign. Okay. I am more than happy for her to take this one. <laughs> but no, uh, back in the day, uh, that's when they introduced it. They started throwing money into it, and it served no real purpose because you can't actually solve that with money unless that money is going to weak kids getting, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me just hold you up for a little bit here. I want to get Brianna's tape. Brianna, what's, what's he talking about? What, what's this anti-bullying campaign? Help me out here. We've had this, like, every year in my school, and I actually didn't really know when it had started. Um, And basically, it's just this big thing with a bunch of signs that they put up around the school, and they talk to you and tell you that, you know, you shouldn't bully others. And they they make it very, very consistent throughout the school years. Um, It's kind of like the same thing as, like, ban the R word and and, uh, say no to drugs kind of things. What's the R word? Can you say it on the air? Yeah, it's retarded. Oh, that word. I guess it's been replaced by special yeah. needs. Okay, so we can't say retarded. What else can't we say? <laughs> While we're at it. We might as well um, just get it all in the open here. I think it's the only campaign for language that they have, like okay. in the campaign. Of, so. Can but we yeah, say irrational? It's, it's really can apply like it to yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now yeah. I get. All right. So, but now, all right. So here's a question for you. Then I'll bring Pianchi into conversation. So as far as anti-bullying, I mean, you know, I think a lot of times schools didn't deal appropriately with bullies who should have been expelled or just, you know, suspended or things like that. Especially more modern times when they think that well, we have to take everybody. We're inclusive, which is a bunch of nonsense. You know, kids used to be kicked out of out of government schools uh, for being horrible people. So I don't have no problem with that. But I think bullying has taken on a, another, an entirely new meaning. 
you know, it's not just bullying, it's asserting, it's, it's being individual, you know, it's offending, it's, uh, you know, being yourself, being, being an, you know, like, well, I guess individual, I already said that, but has, has the whole idea of bullying changed, you know, since I was in school, where it really has a, has a very different definition, in other words, you're not part of the group, if you're not part of the group, you're, you're somehow an outcast and, and more likely to be a bully, you know, to use your power. It almost gets to white privilege. You know, that's where I'm going with this. And it, it, does that factor into it? So has, it, the, the, has bullying changed? Who wants that, Brianna? Um, I know whenever I went to school that um, I didn't see much of that kind of bullying, really. Um I guess, like, whenever they would have, like, a lot of those campaigns and everything, um, mm-hmm. they never really classified any of that kind of as bullying. Um, I mean, I can see how that can transpire, and I'm sure it may happen in some places. I just know that I didn't personally see that happen in my school. Hmm. I'm just wondering if the left left co-opted. Pianca, let's get you on the conversation here. Um, questions for Josh or Brianna? Well, good morning, everybody. You know, it it tickles me how people are puzzled with the way that we are today. But there's ways that you can reverse all this stuff, especially with young people. As young as possible, you start providing them with coloring books, coloring books that promote having a baby. Mama's having a baby, and so on and so on and so on. Then you go from the coloring books to marriage, showing a man and a female, and the kids just happy as they can be. Coloring books. Coloring books on Jesus loves me, the miracles of Jesus. Well, I got my kids. Coloring books. Coloring books on Edwin Kirby. Smith and Robert E. Lee and that Charger, zero one generally. Coloring books, get those for your kids when you go on picnics and you have a table for the young people to have activities. Have them working with coloring books like that. And you start to put into their mind how you want your children. Coloring books on Clarence Thomas, showing him with his wife and has a very productive and lovely a citizen that he is. Yes, the way you fight that back. You go in your school and you make sure you have these type of books in your school library. That's the way well, you fight back on that. It's your child. That's fabulous. Let's get to Brianna from when she first started the show today, talking about the book sale she worked at. Did you see those kinds of books, or were there more of the Heather has two mommies and and some of the leftist socialist, you know, anti God books? Yeah, um, the books there, these are all used or withdrawn or um, basically any kind of book that people donated and didn't want anymore. And so there's okay. a good mix of both of them. You know, there are some, like, picture Bibles. There were some, um, you know, ABC gender books, you know. So they had both. They had books of all different kinds. Um, so I, I wouldn't say there was, like, a predominant, like, push of either one there. Um, I don't think they really even cared to, about the different kinds of books. 
that they had put out, really. You know, the fascinating thing about books is they don't change. This is why I want an 1800s dictionary. Uh, the, the problem with the Internet that we didn't realize, and I've talked about this on the show before too, the, the, we all were excited by the fact that we could look up anything. Anything could be put on the Internet. What we didn't know was that anything could be taken from the Internet too. You know, I've got a chart that shows that COVID basically was gone by mid-July of 2020. And this is from the CDC. It came here in January. It peaked April 15th, tax day, which is kind of ironic. And by mid-July, the death rate was heading for zero. And you can't find that chart anymore. I've got it on my computer just, just for that reason. You know, so, so one of the problems with uh, uh, the Internet is that you can't find the articles talking about how there is no pandemic, you know, how everybody was going to be exposed, you know, all the things or the early treatments and everything else. A lot of those things you can't find. I, don't, I wonder if you can still find the DDRL study that said that uh, hydroxychloroquine cures COVID and there is no pandemic. You know, that kind of stuff just disappears. So books, you know, and I'm, I'm not much of a reader. I have like an ADHD issue. So I don't have as, as many books as I should, but I tend to retain a lot. <laughs> so the things I pick up along the way, you know, I have a big internal memory. Um, but, the, but, the, but the idea that the books don't change, the only way they can get rid of the book is to actually burn it. And that's what the Nazis did and other societies have done, the communist societies. They want to destroy the information. They want to destroy the permanent record. So you have nowhere to go except, the authority source. So let me start with Brianna, then Josh, and then, then Pianki. Go ahead, Pianki. Even in nursery rhyme. Okay. My daughter grew up singing, yes, Jesus, love me. Yes, Jesus, love me. I don't hear that no more. Bring that back to the kids so they can learn to be kids like you were in all the things that go around And this is one not thing that, that I've you know, noticed a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. One no, thing sorry. I noticed a lot with, you know, kids and toddlers and, like, young kids is, you know, almost all of them when you go somewhere, they have some kind of iPad or their parents give them their phone. And I know that parents do that in order to give them a distraction and mostly so they don't have to worry about them or they don't have to deal with them. So they just sit down and stay on the electronic and, you know, they, they Parents can be free to do what they want and don't have to worry as much. But the thing is, now that child is only learning what they're finding on that iPad. Their their only education is what they get from that iPad, whatever games or whatever cartoons or, or whatever they do on there is all from the iPads. And it's kind of like the same thing in school, you know. I know Chromebook use was you know, a large part of school, like everything that we did was basically electronicized as we went up in, in grades. And the um, the higher grade you were in, the more electronics that you relied on and that you learned from and everything. And now it's all starting, like, really, really young. And so it's like um, as they grow up, they just automatically know that everything that they learn is going to be from the electronics, and that's what they should rely on. That is fascinating. And I think that's a super wanna, dangerous thing. Yeah, I'll let you continue. I just want to jump in for a second. We've got, to, uh, if you look at live chat, um, uh, if you're actually watching the show, uh, we've got our, our friend from the Netherlands who's, who's going in, who's now commenting on a pretty regular basis. And he says, books don't change until woke, uh, until woke gets a hand on them. And so that's, you know, do books go out of print? You know, if you can explain that further, uh, we need to get you on the, uh, the Skype well, line to call into the show sometimes. But... Uh, Go ahead, Bianca, and then see if Brianna had a follow-up. Woke can go either way because 
there's a school that we worked in a group to help get started because the community wanted it. It's called Pomoja. What's that? Pomoja, Bertha Gilkin, St. Louis. So Enright and Vandermeer. <clears throat> the parents went into the library and they inspected every book in the library, in the school, on the second floor. When they was done, it was a pile of books on the floor, and they said, get those out of here. These were black parents, by the way. So that's what you have to do. They're your kids. If you don't want some stick figures indicating humans and animals talking, that's another problem, too. Whenever you start animating Characters, human beings were talking animals. Well, a child walk up to a vicious dog and think they're going to talk. Or are they going to try to kill him? Hmm. Josh, you want to get back on this? I'm here from you for a bit. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, no, I, I, no, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You bring black parents into an elementary school or a middle school, and let them read the books and let them throw the books that have degrading nonsense on the ground. Yeah, that's the way to go. I agree with that entirely. Because they're most likely Christian. And that's why well, they, when you look at the data, black kids I'm in America, saying. in your elementary schools, are more likely not being able to read. I mean, the stats show that even through high school. They can't read at grade level. Because all you have, like the young lady said, is that when you go out, you see kids come walking in with a tablet with games on it. So that when I was a kid, we had we went to the pancake house. They bring out a a, a, a poster with they give us some coloring crayons and we colored. Yeah, we you find your way through the maze. Games. Yeah, you find your way through the maze. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. What's your name, brother? In schools, in schools, they bring out these animated games, shoot the rabbit, shoot the squirrel, you get points. What kind of crazy nonsense is that? Nothing that's going to let anybody win, that's for sure. So you can't complain about these things if you're not willing to put the efforts, Greg, in order to change Oh, I agree. Listen, when I raised my daughter, uh, we the only time I ever had her with, with a cell phone was when we used to go shopping so she could run around different parts of the store and, and pick up stuff. It was kind of amusing. You know, we're always in contact. You know, she's like eight, uh, nine years old, you know, and that was fun. But I always talked to her, and I've talked about this on the show too. But I want to get back to Brianna's point about the electronics. It's like the electronics become the parent. They become the information source. And, and kids, I think, learn not to think for themselves. Like with my daughter, Alexandra, we always had what I call moral dilemmas. I would purposely ask her questions that didn't have a yes or no answer so she could think. This is where she's like five. <laughs> you know? And obviously the, the questions ratcheted up as she got older, and then she was posing questions to me. But her whole life with me, you know, until she became an adult, uh, we talked. And I think that seems to be a huge thing that's missing. Um, so, Brianna, back to the electronics. When you, when you see these things, you see these parents handing these electronics things, are, are they thinking that they're substitutes that, you know, I know it's a distraction, but they become, do, they, do you think they become almost the authority and the parents become the afterthought that the electronics become the parent and the electronics become the trusted authority instead of the parents? Is it almost like a replacement, which makes people more susceptible to electronics as they get older? Brianna. Yes. 
Yes, okay. definitely. I mean, I mean, have you seen like parents try and take away like the little kids' iPads and stuff, or try and get the kids to go somewhere or do anything? It's like they, you know, they break down. It's like they don't know what to do if they don't have that in front of them, and it's like they, almost like they act like they can't live anymore if, if they don't have it anymore. That's wild. It is almost like taking away always, Yeah, go ahead. And they don't view their parents as like any kind of authority or, or it with any kind of respect. And I was actually listening to some, something about this mm-hmm. respect for parents that isn't a thing. And one of the things that this lady was saying, I don't know her name, but um, she was saying that um, children like rebelling from their parents, it's mm-hmm. not like a normal thing. It's not something that, you know, um, what everybody does. And now it's like she was saying people are, are you know, thought to believe and that all these parents think to believe that it's normal for, you know, teens and children to rebel against their parents or fight or against their parents. And what she was saying is, no, that that's not a normal thing. You know, it's abnormal to rebel. And she said that, you know, it's normal for children to grow up and, and respect their parents and for the parents to teach their children. And can it's I, just can I talk something into that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's no that that was the entire point of uh that commandment from God which is honor your mother and father is that it's absolutely natural for you want to rebel against your parents. You're always going to want to do that. You're always going to want to disobey. And I get it the entire time. Sometimes your parents are wrong, sometimes you're really wrong, but yeah. You know, you learn along the way but you should always honor your mother and father well honor doesn't mean you have to blindly obey i mean i can honor and no uh, you know, no i'm not, not talking about that i'm talking i know i yeah, know but, but i'm talking about but that's like, the um, distinction yeah okay yeah i know well, i know you're talking yeah you're talking about the nuance of the situation i'm talking about mm-hmm. don't do things that your parents tell you not to do just for the sake of not doing what they said yeah well, fair? sometimes they're life-saving things. You could be, uh, you know, like I said, the only time I ever had to discipline my kid was for safety, you know, where she was going to do something really stupid, which I occasionally do myself. Um, so she came by it naturally, but that's about it. Let me go back to something that Brianna said earlier. We're, we're talking about uh, how, how the world's created and, and uh, you know, the lack of God with these people that are trying to control everything. Um, there's something, there's, you look at the world today. And look at the way the world was created. The, the intelligent design has a whole bunch of conflict. And this is probably a topic for, we only have a couple of minutes, Josie will be joining us in a second here. But you look at the way the world was set up. So the internal design functions fabulously from quarks to universes, okay? From the, the smallest subatomic particles to the largest universes, galaxies, however big all of this is, okay? It works. The laws of physics work. And yet, you look at the way the Earth is set up. You know, everything's either predator, prey, plant or animal. You know, most things survive by eating something else. You know, we are, we are a predator planet, you know, and we have a food chain. And that's in the design, and yet that works. You know, you look at uh, from, from parents to kids, there's an inherent, there's authority, but there's rebellion. There's this, this yin and yang that goes everywhere we go. And, and so it's interesting that the world is conflict and your life is difficult, and yet that's in the design. So the bigger question is, you know, especially these utopians that think they can be, and we start with Agenda 2030, and they basically seem to be, they seem to be saying that the, we can get away from conflict. 
We can eliminate poverty. We can eliminate hunger. We can have food security. We can have universal education. And we'll all be peace and harmony, and we'll all recite you know, John Lennon's song, Imagine, which if you read the lyrics is a, de- definitely a blueprint for tyranny. But conflict is inherent, and I'm wondering if the human spirit requires that conflict to develop a sense of independence, that in, our, in, the, in the, uh, the intelligent design of everything, that there is a, an inherent competition and a, and a rebellion and authority that is natural that allows us to be the human beings we are. Big question, I know, but uh, let's start with Brianna, then Josh, then Pianchi. Brianna? Yeah, I, I know it's a lot that, all at once. Yeah. Okay. I know it's a lot all at once, <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Go for it. Give it a shot. Tell me what you think. Like or, of what you're saying? Yeah, or not. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's a big point. But in other words, are we stronger because of the internal conflicts and the, and the inherent, like the, the contradiction of authority versus rebellion? Is that you know, you know, in, in God's wisdom, is that essential for us in human development and for the planet to function that everything is either, is either predator or prey? You know, I mean, is, is that, I mean, if you wanted to design, that's not a peaceful system. It's actually a very violent system, and yet it works. Yeah. Um, I would, I don't see any of the other alternatives of a, a way to live, you know, sustainably in in that kind of form. Um, so I would say, yeah, I think that it is necessary because we all are made to be individuals. You know, God made us all unique individuals with our own kind of like mindsets and ideas and ways of thinking and everything. So, you know, I can see how all of that would be necessary in order to create new things and um, to have something better. And some people with some ideas fighting against some people's other ideas to have the best ideas win to repel people further. So, yeah, yeah, I think it definitely works that way, but I don't know if it's the only way because I haven't really looked at any other ways. <laughs> no, so, I mean, I just thought it was just now. It's a huge question. It's a question for an immediate response, and it's a question to think about. You know, is the inherent conflict what makes us stronger? Action Radio arose out of conflict. You know, I, I've written... You ready about, for you know, that stoic response? Yeah, hold on just a second. But I was just saying that uh, you know, I wrote a piece years ago uh, about for a California you know, uh, gun carry uh, bill that there's always an inherent conflict between the individual, those that want control, and those that want freedom. And I'll, I'll go into that a bit more later. Let's get Josh, then Pianchi, and then I'm going to get to uh, Josie. So, Josh, go ahead. Give us your, your pithy, witty, stoic response, sir. Glad to have you back. All right. Very simply, very simply. Uh, there are animals. Animals eat other animals. They eat plants, right? And then you got mm-hmm. plant life. And then you got fungus. Utopians are acting like they're fungus. They think that they can just absorb the sun's rays and thrive in a damp, dark climate. And that's really not a good way to be. Or do they Is want that, that for fair? us? Is that a fair assessment? No, I think I think you're oh, yeah, right no, 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 no. That's that's a that. no, but they want that for them too. <laughs> no, they well, want that for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I think they want the sunlight. Uh, what they call that? What they call that with the with the Stranger Things, the upside down? Yeah, they want that. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Not a good way to be. Brianna, you have one more. It is a great analogy. Yeah, I think that's a a very interesting analogy. Huh, Pianchi? 
you don't have to look to nature. You just simply look to your own body. There's wars going on within your body. It's like how your body has a temperature. There's things being born. There's things being killed within your own body. And I was going to mention one other thing, too, uh-huh. before we, you know, we go back. There should be a way where you should be able to order a telephone where the Rolodex is just numbers, no names. I can remember my first telephone number, 385-3309. There was no name to it. We had to know the numbers. We may have had 50 friends. We knew all 50 telephone numbers. Yeah, no we did. names associated with <laughs> You yeah, know that the, all the, went the, out the window. You know that out when the no, all that went out the window when you start getting auto text and auto correct. There's no way. No, we uh, we were spoiled by technology. There's no way that that no. was going to come back. Yeah, but those of us old enough, we still know how to read a map and, and read a compass and things like that. Uh, Brianna, oh, thank you. Yeah. Great, I'm right there great. with you. Okay, okay, good. Hold on. Brianna, thank you very much. Um, stay as long as you want. Josh, same thing. Stay as long as you want. Uh, I'm going to get to, to Josie here, but this, is, this has been a great hour, and we shall uh, move on. So hang on, everybody. We'll get to Josie. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cosby knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cosby. Konnichiwa, Josie-san. Good morning. Dobre utra. Buenos dias, everybody. Guten tag. <laughs> How are you? Zorazvutia. Yeah, but I've been listening to you guys a little bit. <laughs> oh, good. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Comments so far? Good. Good. Well, my comment is that the children are running the show in most homes. Uh, the parents are, don't have any control right now. Uh, and the children do whatever they want. I see them when they come to my store. A little tiny two-year-old child starts screaming if mommy doesn't hand over the phone while she's changing clothes in the dressing room, you know. It's ridiculous. So it's the parents' fault that the children are the way they are. That's my opinion. Are parents not talking to their kids in in the store that you've seen? Uh, you know, because like I say, I always interact with my daughter. We're always talking. We're always, you know, puzzling over things. You're always, you know, there was stuff we find virtually a lot of the same things funny, so we laughed a lot. But I just think there's a lack of engagement. There's a complete disconnect that these kids can relate better yeah. to machines than they can to people. And that's one of our biggest problems right now as, as the generations move forward, that those of us that grew up without the machines, I mean, I use them, but they don't, mm-hmm. they don't rule me. You know, I use a computer all the time. I don't, you know, need it as part of my life, you know, other than the fact that it, it, I need it for work, but I'm not dependent on it, you know, for my, my physical well-being and my, and my self-esteem. Yeah. Hey, you know, quick, the, go ahead. I saw one time that was really funny that that's kind of part of this is, you know, when you go places and the children or the babies or the young kids are crying and they're crying and they're crying and crying. It's really annoying. And they, the parents just don't really do much about it and they kind of like coddle the child. Well, there's one time we were out 
and it was it was so funny. There was this little baby. I, I don't know how old it was, but he started crying like he was about to throw a tantrum. And the dad just put his hand over the kid's mouth, and he just stopped crying. And I was like, that is the best thing ever because it was just hilarious. Because yeah, it just it was It was like so easy and so simple. I was like, I why am I ever have to do that? That is awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah I am and, the it, and if and if somebody was watching, they're gonna say, "Oh, we're gonna call the police because that's child abuse." You know, everything is child abuse nowadays. But look at what they're doing with our little kids. They're mutilating their their private part, and 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 they're putting parents in jail and all that if they want to step in. So it's 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 horrible what's going on, including this mom. She must be like maybe 62 or so, and she came and bought uh, knee high for her son for full support, you know. And she goes, well, she goes, he's got skinny legs because he doesn't go out at all. Uh, he works, and then when he comes home, all he does is in the computer and play games. And this guy's like 26 years old, you know. Like, he doesn't even go out. And mom is relating that to me. I'm like, well, he needs to go to the gym. I told him he needs to go work out. He needs to go for a walk or ride bike. But like you said, Greg, there's no communication like you have with your little girl and me with my daughter when we went out and eat and all this. You don't see that anymore. Mm-mm. You don't see yeah. that anymore. So it's, Let me, um, and that's what the, yeah, the criminal one. No, it's amazing. We've got our, our, our uh, Dutch caller here, actually, on, on live chat. So uh, if you guys that are watching the computer screen, take a look. And we talked about, uh, who is the person? Ron Dahl. Uh, was it Dahl? D-A-H-L. was talking about his, yeah, Ron, I guess it's Ronald, uh, children's book writer. All his words are changed. And, and uh, becoming a live chat, the character Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is no longer called Fat. Well, I'm sorry, Augustus Gloop was fat. Okay? That was his character. That was that was essential to the to the the plot of the of the story. It says he says instead he is described as enormous, uh, and there's some other things too. Or instead of being called small men, the umpalubas are now small people. You know they can't be can't just all be men. Uh, so the language is changing too horribly. You know you can't say this is why mm-hmm. I, I do so much with language. You know the reason I call the the rhinos you know transgender Democrats is a because it's funny and b because it's a lot stronger. And I don't care who's offended. But, you know, if we get away, if we're so worried about offending that the language changes, there's there's no personality, there's no, there's nothing, there's no way to adequately describe things. It's like Orwellian doublespeak, you know, all these words that you all of a sudden can't use that are perfectly descriptive. You know, what if you can't say angry anymore? What if you have to say, you know, mentally maladjusted? (laughs) I just made that up. But this is where this can go. (laughs) You like that one? You know, know, uh, Greg, uh, back in the 70s, Nobody was controlling what words we can use or not because, uh, like Brianna was saying, that our work, that's not a big deal. We used to call each other, are you retarded or what? You know, that was kind of crazy. <laughs> we did. And then, we really did, yeah. And yeah. then we used to say, are you mental? And that was a big thing. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it, it was fun. Are you mental or what? So we used that quite a bit. You know, it's not that you're retarded or you're mentally ill. It's just, just to say that. You know, well, it's one thing to say to your friends, to someone who is retarded or is mentally challenged or whatever term you want to use, you're not going to look at them and go, oh, God, you're retarded. You know, that's insulting. But to say to your friends is funny. And 
being able to make that distinction is huge. But now it's like these folks, that, that as they want to control language, controlling language is controlling people. It's so bad that you can't say it even to your friends. You know, what if someone said, you know, I, I, I could just kill you. You know, and they're joking, right? Oh, you, yeah, yeah, or you're killing oh, you me. Say you that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm kill you, yeah, I'm kill you for that. What are you yeah. just saying? Yes, Grace. Josh. I'm mentally retarded. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a little bit offended. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm Don't sorry. be sorry. That well, was so bad. necessary to interject. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the thing is, people are afraid. Can you talk about my to, feelings? Uh, people are afraid to say things, you know, and it, it gets really bad. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. The N-word. Uh, Pianchi uses it occasionally on the show. You just said That's okay. Life. I'm not going to because I don't want my show canceled. You know, uh, otherwise, I probably would. But that's... But, but he, it, go ahead. You know, my niece in Miami, she's white as can be, and she used to call everybody my nigga and my nigga, and I'm like, what the heck? She called that's everybody weird. that. She called me that. She called me... I'm like, what are you doing? And that was the thing in Miami back in the 80s, 89. Everybody, yeah. you know, it was it was a thing. And you didn't have to be black to use that. But they heard it from the black people and they liked it. And uh, and a lot of the young kids wanted to black, walk like black men or women walk. You know, that little skip uh, wave how they walk. That was the thing. My nephew wanted to do that. It's just, you know, look at how many, how many white folks right now they want to rap just like black people, you know. And and look at how many how many black women they want to be blonde with wigs and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Because but nobody's happy with like who they are. Piaki? No, <laughs> you know, I was in Aswan, Egypt, one year, and some young people that were with us, some young black males, went into a market, and it was some booth where. The people in the booth, the Egyptian men, greeted him. Hey, what's up, my nigga? Mm-hmm. All the way over in Egypt. Did they know the American context of that, or does it have a different context in Egypt? It probably has a different context in Egypt. You know, in uh, some parts of Egypt, they call a black person a cushy. Cushy. Uh-huh. Uh, black American going to West Africa, he would be called a Bruni. In Nigeria, he would be called a Kata. Those words mean white man. Even though your skin is black as coal, they call you a white man because you're American. Huh. And especially if you, like Obama, if you have black, they going to call you that. And, and you know, Bianchi, there's so many songs about black people in uh, in uh, Cuba and uh, they make in Puerto Rico. There's a lot of songs. Uh, Celia Cruz made, you know, La Negra Tiene El Tumbao, the, the black chick has the, the hair dude. You know, all these type of songs that we dance and they're still, we're still dancing them. And to us and to black people in Cuba and black people in Nicaragua and Bluefield, they don't bother them. It's not a big deal. The big deal is the uh, Democrat Party that have created this racial hate among us for us to hate each other instead of loving each other. And uh, as a nation, we love each other. There is a few races here and there, but, hey, it's, you cannot control the whole country. But I think basically I see black couples, uh, a, a black and a white, and they love each other. You know, 
So no, I don't see any a, problem at all. There's a, a magazine article, and you can Google it, where a black woman was saying a white husband uses racial slurs during sex. Apparently, she don't mind because she's still married to him. But what, what about a black woman uses racial slurs when having sex with a black man? And that does go on. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I got <laughs> off quite around. Well, we did. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to pursue that particular topic right now, but that, that's that's interesting. Jesse, let's get to Well, your you stuff. have to because they do when they accuse you of being something that you are not. That's why they get over on you. They get over okay. on you real easy, too. It's, it's comical. They stop okay. you dead in your tracks with some of these things. Let's get to business. I, <laughs> I'll have to think about the, the, the race talk during sex. I'll have to, we need to take that up at some point. I, but anyway, I want to get no, to the show. You can just, you can just, you can just right. send them to okay. Essence Magazine. Essence mm-hmm. Magazine to talk about it, yeah. Right. Hold on. Okay. I'll message you and Jesse with with the uh, link. Let me let me check the details first. All right, Jesse. Let's. Uh, we got a ton of stuff that we need to talk about. Um, so what's on What's on your mind? I I did I did send you the video um, about yep. the explosive testimony, and I hope you watched it. It was very I good. It. I sent it to I all got my most friends. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about it. And uh, sure. <clears throat> I re- I remember uh, a couple years ago. When we were trying to sell my mother-in-law's house, uh, we had all cash deal for the house, and it was a chunk of money uh, that we got for that house, you know. And so some of my friends, they will sell the house within two days or when a week. The house was boom, gone. So <clears throat> this lady, like you've seen in the video that I sent you, Jackie uh, Berger, uh <clears throat> She's, uh, she owns her own insurance agency and all that, and she was reporting at the uh, Senate uh, in Arizona about all this money laundering, help money to buy a lot of our real estate for family homes in America. And that's where all, a lot of this cash uh, came about, like $2.5 billion for single homes they have spent. And... Uh, a lot of the judges, brokers, lawyers, uh, all these people were involved in this. Uh, different uh, states in America, <clears throat> including Panama, the country, Panama. Uh, it's attorneys. Uh, it, it's just insane what she was reporting. Uh, and we... What we knew that we were told by one of the realtors is, oh, no, she goes uh, to us when we were trying to sell the house. She goes, there's a lot of cash coming because China, they're using China's money, they were saying. And I said, oh, well, I don't know, but China should not be buying all our properties, you know, which they are too. But this other situation that this woman is reporting that they have investigated uh, in Arizona, uh, it's very deep. And, of course, the Clintons have their hands in there. And the owner of this company that he was investigating, I guess, together with this woman, they have tried to murder him six times. And she was also reporting that they have tried to tamper with um, Carrie, uh, what's her name? 
Carrie Lake. The one in Arizona. Carrie yeah, Lake. Carrie mm-hmm. Lake's daughter, they cut the tires of her car and they did something for her to crash and have an accident. But thank God she's alive. Uh, but these people are so, so criminal and so corrupt, and it's been going way back. This is nothing that just happened uh, yesterday, you know. Uh, so the Maricopa uh, County is so corrupt with fraud of real real estate, uh, also with the voting. And she was going to talk a lot about the voting, too. I don't know if you watched the full video. Uh, but some of the people in the Senate there, they were interrupting. Now, where did you get that? Or who invited you here? Or what party are you? And, you, you know, instead of trying to find out, wow, that's interesting what you just said. A few people did say that. But the corruption is deep, deep, deep. Uh, it's just sad. And now a lot of American people cannot find an apartment to rent, a house, and rental maintained because there's still houses for sale, which the market slowed down right now. We have a few real estate friends that they keep us up today. Uh, but the, there's people, they are trying to rent a room. I had a lady from uh, Nigeria, Africa yesterday, and she said, do you know anybody or can you rent a room for me and all that? You know, so I had a young man from Africa uh, like six months ago, and I found him a room with another guy from Africa. And so we called him to see if they can help her. Uh, and I don't know. She spent like three hours in my store, and I'm like, I don't have a lot of time to, you know, to kind of like entertain you and help you, you know. So God, for some reason, sends all these people in, in our store for help. So people are desperate right now. And, yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, busy. That's yeah. Well, it, well, you figured that the government's trying to ruin the country, you know, the impose the what mm-hmm. I call the, the 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 Brandon Obama government, you know, is doing everything possible to mm-hmm. make our lives miserable so that we will go to, yes. you know, demand more government. Um, but let's get back to this, this tape, tape you sent the, the woman who was uh, testifying before the Arizona committee. I listened to, to most of it and it was overwhelming to me to the amount of corruption at every level. It's not just the okay. voting machines. It's not just the county officials. It's not just the judges. It's not just, you know, the, the, um, the governor, secretary police. of state, mm-hmm. you know, the police. It's mm-hmm. everybody. The, everybody. The, it's, it's like the, the corruption has become so institutionalized and so much of a business. You know, we talk about third world countries you know, being, uh, being mm-hmm. this corrupt. Uh, and the only way to do business yeah. in a lot of places, what, what they call in the Arab countries, bakshish, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, or, or any, you go to any central South American country, any most European countries, I'm sure African countries and Asian countries are the same way. Most of the rest of the world, you gotta pay. You want something done, you gotta pay somebody. That's how the world functions. That is the natural state of things, but it wasn't here. We always had some corruption, but we never had, I don't think, or at least Americans didn't think we had the extent of the corruption that we have now. And it's being exposed so badly and so openly. In fact, I, I've been doing some research mm-hmm. on the 2014 um, coup that, uh, that the, the, the Brandon and uh, Obama basically rigged uh, with the CIA the, the Ukrainian election. And that our problems in Ukraine mm-hmm. started, really started with the overthrowing of uh, uh, what's his name, Yurichenko or something. I, I'm not good with my Ukrainian yeah, name. Yeah, Yurichenko. Mm-hmm. All right, but but and he wasn't a great leader either. They're but the, the fact him. was, they're poisoning. Well, they wanted to kill him. They poisoned him. Yeah, yeah. in That's Ukraine. Right. But you're right. 
absolutely. Obama is the one that chose Zelensky, the stripper, drug dealer, crooked, uh, no good uh, criminal, which he's going to go to prison, no doubt about it. Right now, the people are loving him. And some of my friends, they get upset when I tell them how corrupt he is. Mm-hmm. He wants to murder his own people. He's cutting the electricity. I, I get videos, I keep telling you, all the time, this family is without electricity. They're so cold. They don't know what to do. They have to bring wood. I mean, it is bad, bad. And he's doing it on purpose. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, a, he's like uh, Castro. He's like uh, Hugo Chavez. He, they're all the same. Paul Pot. Yeah. You know, he gets he has the the uh, the money from the United States, which wants the influence there. They, we have our permanent mm-hmm. war class, you know, Victoria Newland, John Bolton, that want a, a nuclear war with Russia. Uh, God knows why, but they do. You've got uh, this this kind of corruption that, that is just so bad. And there would be, you know, the, the problem with the Ukraine war is that before the war started, uh, the only outcome, only possible outcome was a negotiated settlement. After the war is over, the only possible outcome is a negotiated settlement. So you either lose half a million Ukrainians and probably half a million Russians, or you don't. But the outcome is still the same. So the idea of waging this war, this goes back to what we were talking about with Brianna earlier. Uh, she had to leave us. But, but it's still irrational. There's no reason for any of this except that it makes mm-hmm. certain people rich and powerful. The Victoria Newlands, John Boltons, you know, our State Department people, Brandon, Obama, all the folks behind the scenes, all the folks in the shadow government, all these people are behind mm-hmm. you know, keeping us at work. You know, you look at uh, the first thing, this is why they hated Trump so much, because Trump didn't have us at war somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. but you look at everybody else, from the yeah. Bushes to the Clinton presidency to uh, Obama, we were always at war somewhere. And then, when, mm-hmm. except during Trump. Well, we were in Afghanistan, but he was, he was working our way out of that. He should have worked it out a lot faster. But these people, they are obsessed with having a war somewhere. And of course, Ukraine, as you've talked about, you know, from the bioweapons labs to the money laundering to the to the corruption yeah. to whatever else they're doing. Child trafficking. Yeah. It's bad. But, so so but Zelensky, you know, it, go ahead. It is bad. But, you know, Greg, my opinion, because uh, we hear certain of our uh, people reporting uh, and talking in the queue and all that, uh, and a lot of the stuff have come out in 2018, a lot of the stuff that is happening, it's. It's in some of the Q 2018. I'm like, I tell my husband, man, that's a long time to predict exactly step by step what's going on right now. Mm. But anyway, my opinion is that there's not going to be no nuclear uh, 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 war with Russia and all that because uh, Putin is uh, working with Trump. They're trying to clean the swamp in the Ukraine first. And the next one would be Taiwan, we believe. Uh, so my opinion is uh, Putin is not going to nuke the United States because uh, Trump is not going to not going to let it happen. Of course. Well, let's talk about he that. I, I think I, I posted something about that this weekend. That uh, you know, there's a very good chance that uh, Trump and Putin are, are meeting behind the scenes or talking behind the scenes on whatever secure you know communication system to sort of go the the the, the post Ukraine Russian war world. Because I think everybody's yeah. pretty well convinced, as I am, that Trump's going to be back in office. I think Putin thinks that. Uh, otherwise, you know, and I think that because of that, and not just, just Trump, but Republican leaders after him, I'm hoping DeSantis, you know, makes a good run of Or even Tim Scott would be interesting. I'm, I'm learning more about him now. He's a very interesting person, too. But, but DeSantis is not going to run. In fact, here's a, here's a question for you, a political question, and I post this, too. DeSantis is not going to CPAC. 
you know, Trump is there. This is Trump's show. Well, if DeSantis were really running against Trump, what better place to, to have that rivalry in front of the media than CPAC? But he's not there, which tells me no, they've already arranged it. They've already figured this out. So, mm-hmm. so DeSantis is oh, not yeah. going to run it. He, he might fake run against Trump, but it's not, gonna, it's not a big deal. In the same way, what, is, you know, Trump, what does he do all day? He's, he's not in office, so he's got a lot of time. He's got time to talk to all these people. You know, I'm sure he's got some of the best communication mm-hmm. systems in the world. So if he's talking to Putin, what are they talking about? What do you think? And, and how, how are they handling Ukraine? And how, how does Zelensky figure into this? Or, or is Trump and Putin going to find a way to get rid of him and actually have a real election there? Everyone favorable to Russia like they had before. I mean, I would be surprised if, if they wouldn't. But that doesn't matter as long as the conflict ends and we stop spending money. Or we just need to stop spending money there. So what do you think they're talking about? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we believe that Putin and Donald Trump are working together, and so is uh, Trump with Xi. And I don't know if you remember when President Trump made a trip and he went directly to Saudi Arabia. He went to North Korea. You know what I mean? No, I remember all those he went trips. To all this co- he went to all these countries to prepare and set exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason a lot of these countries are not getting involved in this fake war in the Ukraine because it's well organized by the Democrats with the neo-Nazis. Uh, and, and those countries know. And that's what happened in Turkey. Uh, Diane Kokosa, or however you say your last, your last name, a senator from Romania, like I reported last week, she came forward to report exactly what's going on. And, and Ukraine is behind the earthquake and also the Bidens and the Clintons. <clears throat> I don't know. Okay, so, so this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I need to hold you up a little bit here because <clears throat> this is where we need to go through the logic and reason filter. How is it that a country, and we talked about this before, I, I don't believe that a country can cause an earthquake unless they have, you know, nuclear charges, you know, deep enough and at the exact right point and place on the fault line at the exact depth that that will cause an earthquake, it'll do this kind of damage. I think that the biggest culprit in, in Turkey is the Turkish government that allowed buildings with pre-earthquake codes to have people living in them. That's what killed everybody. It's, it's the earthquake codes. Well, so they never, she, the buildings that were not modified. Well, look her up. Her name is Diana. And the last name is S O S O A C A. Look her up. I mean, uh, unless she's a liar, by what would she come and report this? That five days prior to the earthquake, ten different countries. She was saying on this report that they pulled their ambassadors so they would not get killed five days prior. Okay, mm-hmm. and then she was saying um, less than half a minute, I believe. They shut the gas pipeline, so there was not, like in Nicaragua, when we had the real earthquake in 1972, that was real, uh, the city burned twice, and that happens a lot. And, uh, and if you notice some of the buildings, uh, when they're collapsing, they're going straight down like the towers instead of falling sideways because you, uh, you can see when there's an earthquake, when it starts shaking, it could fall in any direction, a building, but this a lot of these buildings that you can see when they were videotaping different people on the Internet, they're going straight down. It's not normal. So 
with that. Well, it, it was and, in San Francisco. Uh, just, to, just to give you an example, when I, the 1989 earthquake, uh-huh. when I was in in San Francisco, uh, the buildings in the marina, they're on this soft soil, this reclaimed land. Uh, and they, what happens is they call it liquefaction. In other words, the soil uh, turns to liquid and the buildings collapse straight down. And yes, the gas lines were cut, the water mains were cut, uh, and there was a huge chance of fire. And that's when the, the fireboat, the Phoenix, came out, actually pumped bay water, San Francisco bay water, to a string of fire trucks that they set up. This is all improvised, and that's how they stopped the fires. But the buildings can collapse straight down. Those are all wood. And so you like wood in an earthquake because it has more give to it. Uh, <laughs> concrete and bricks, unless you're on, on uh, uh, a granite foundation. So the only brick buildings in San Francisco have a granite foundation. They were okay. Uh, the wood buildings on, on granite were okay. The, the wood buildings in the marina on reclaimed land collapsed, and they did collapse straight down. So well, I'm not sure that necessarily, you know, holds that all buildings are going to go sideways in different directions. Because an earthquake goes back and forth. It's a wave. On earth, like, yeah. But it's a wave, we, though. It goes can. up and down, you know, and side to side. But it, it's still, I think buildings still drop straight down. Let's get Pianchi. Well, He's a construction guy. Pay attention to pay attention. Okay, pay attention to some of the buildings when they're going down. You can okay. see some sparks, like ray in the bottom, like if something's uh, uh, bringing them down. But but I'm well, just, unless those electric I'm lines being cut. What this, Greg, uh-huh. I, I don't have evidence. I'm not in Romania. I'm not in Turkey. I'm just repeating what this senator said, and I don't see why would she come forward and lie to anybody. Well, let's why would let's she ask. Have name? Well, let's ask what she has to gain. No, she but has I'm saying, what would she fame. have to gain? Only her head off. Her head is probably going to be off because she's telling the world that the Ukraine is behind this man-made earthquake in, uh, in, uh, in the United States. They're behind this whole thing. Look at all these okay. fires on purpose. They deliberately make sure that train derailed right there in Christ right in that river to poison the water. And let me tell you, it's bad. This is very bad. And, and I'm not surprised at this point that our country was involved in Chernobyl. I don't know. I hope it comes out one day. But I, I have a feeling our government is behind Chernobyl also in Ukraine. So no, I don't think the so. The corruption is so deep. Uh, well, hey, that's my opinion. Well, so, all right, let's talk about Chernobyl. Let's go opinion. over these. Uh, hang on. Let me, let, me, let me engage with you for a second on here because this is, this is important, I think. Chernobyl's problem was they didn't have a concrete containment vessel like Three Mile Island. We had a nuclear accident at Three Mile Island, but the radiation didn't spread yeah. because all our nuclear plants have containment vessels that are probably three to six feet thick. Chernobyl, the Russian nukes don't have that you know, to save money because the Russians mm-hmm. don't care about their citizens or the Ukrainians. That was the problem with Chernobyl. The next thing we talked about, the, the train derailed. The train derailed because the bearing overheated, melted, and broke. It was going to derail anyway. And evidence is out now that the regulation that the left says that Trump should have had in place would not have prevented that accident from happening. So the problem with the train accident is not that the train derailed because trains do derail. As Pianchi talked about, accidents do happen. The, well, hold on a second. No. The problem was... The Not problem was that the hold hold on. The problem was that the EPA came in and burned all the chemicals rather than taking them out and removing them and pumping them out. That was the problem because they wanted to get the tracks open as quickly as possible. There, so I don't think you could plan where that axle mm. was going to break based on temperature. So you can't organize it that well. I think you're 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 well, attributing. Well, I guess you don't know the deep state yet. I do know the deep state, but what, what would they gain? The vaccine on purpose. Well, I know the vaccine. <laughs> all right, so so again, there's a line. There's a, there are things that, that, uh, that you're claiming that make sense, and there are things that I have to challenge. So this is what we need to take individually. I do not think a country can cause an earthquake. 
from what I know of earthquakes, and I was right there with the USGS, US, US Geological Survey. I've studied this. I studied how they predict earthquakes, how the sensors are placed. I, I know all about that stuff. Okay. And yeah, but I was that's there. How long ago did you study that? Because things have changed. I don't changed. think it's changed this that much. 2023. Five, six years ago? Yeah. When I was there. Believe me, you live in San well, Francisco. You'll you learn about earthquakes. You okay, will well, find but, but, out soon. Okay. All right. All Again. This, all these explosions, trains, uh, all right. shooting, all this is well organized. The whole thing. The whole thing is well organized. All of it. All of it. And they've been asked a lot for a long to time. organize. The American people just believe that it's yeah. an accident. No, it's not an accident at all. Nothing. Okay, some things I think are accidents, some are not. The train, I believe, was an accident. The response was terrible. That was not. No way. COVID was no. created. The COVID virus was definitely created. <laughs> Listen to Robert Malone report. I mean, it's a bioengineered, you know, bioweapon. The vaccine was definitely created either before or after. I think it was created before the virus so they could work together. We know it's planned because they changed the, the pandemic guidelines to allow for lockdowns immediately. In fact, Robert Malone didn't know that, They're which right. is quite interesting. So, but the question is what's not planned, you know, this, I just don't think that these people can be that organized. They're not that good. Nobody's that good. Let's get a, let's go panel. Josh, yeah. what do you think of all this? Josh, where do you draw go the ahead. line between uh, uh, planned, unplanned? How much, how much do you think it's organized? Which events of the ones we've talked about, Turkish earthquake, the train uh, in Ohio, uh, the war in Ukraine, how much of it planned? How much of it uh, just kind of happened? I know, big question. Getting back in here. He's got to turn his phone back on. Josh, were you doing other things? <laughs> All right, let me hold up Josh. Pianki, tell me about the earthquake first. I don't think a country can cause an earthquake. Well, I don't think man controls that. That the ground falls off from under you, you don't fall down with it. So that's just how it is. They would love to, but uh, presently they don't. Can't do that. Supposed to get carried away and they split the earth into halves. Well, I don't know how you control it. I mean, how do you have enough or enough earthquake to do what you want, but not too much, you know, that it does too much, you know? And the, and the buildings. The let's talk about the ambassadors. Let's talk about the gas lines. First of all, the ambassadors are probably in buildings that are modernized, that were that were reinforced or were built new, so they could withstand earthquakes. So they may not have had to worry about it. How are they recalled? What other events are going on in Turkey? That's what we need to find out. As far as the gas lines go, if the gas is cut off for five days, the people are going to complain. So where are the stories of the gas shortage? Go ahead, Pianki. There's really no such thing as an earthquake-proof building. Like I say, if the ground Mm -hmm. disappears from under you, you're going to fall. Go fall in that void that's left. Now, what you can have is some buildings that has modifications to it that can absorb the jolt a little Mm -hmm. bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, if if you're walking on the ground and a sinkhole opens up under you, you're falling down in the hole. Yeah. That's for sure. So, Jesse, this is, I mean, I, well, I, I love talking about these things, but, again, I, I find yeah, a yeah, line. Okay. But, yeah, Okay, go ahead. But you guys, you guys are blinded. You guys are, like, thinking like most American people think. They don't believe this. They don't believe that. And you just have to think, like I think, uh, I lived through communists, and I know how evil these people can be. And uh, they have humongous machines to build these huge tunnels underneath, which NASA is part of it. Uh, so those huge machines can do a lot of shaking 
too. So I thought it was that. But then when I heard the report of this woman, I was like, oh, whoa, you know. So, I, you know, why would they want to pull out their ambassadors five days prior to the earthquake? Why? Why? Did they know something that nobody else knew? And, you know, all these countries are not getting involved with the Ukraine. And the Ukraine are upset because they want them to cave in like like us because the reason Biden is sending all this money is because to send the money for their own bank accounts. And, and they want to give pensions to all the Ukrainian people. What business do I do I have given pension out of our money here in our country? Our people are suffering. Our people don't have jobs. Our people have lost their businesses, their home. I mean, their loved ones dead because the hospitals killed them. So we need the help here instead of there. And the reason Biden and uh, what is what's the name of that? Buttigieg, Buttigieg, or whatever oh, the name is. Who married the dude? Yeah. They're not going to Ohio because he's so contaminated. They don't want to breathe the air there. That's why they're not going to go. They're not going to go. No. Mm. They're not going. Well, let me ask you a question. I don't think they're going to go for another reason. I think they're not going to go because these are white Trump supporters. And part of the thing I want to talk about in the next hour is the fact that uh, yeah. the Obama, the Brandon Obama plan is to basically purge the federal government of all the straight white guys. You know, there is a war against that. Mm-hmm. And so you look at the you look at Ohio. If, if this went through Detroit, a black section of Detroit, or if it went through a Hispanic section of, of Miami, this would be an entirely different debate. So there is a, there is a racial discrimination uh, in this country. Right now, it's against white folks, especially white males. Mm-hmm. And so you look at Ohio, yeah. why do they care? There's, they don't have any voters there. So in other words, they, they look at the world purely political. The Department of Justice function is to get rid of political enemies. Of, of the uh, the deep state. That's what they see their, their mission as. You know, the EPA is there to protect people that advance a political agenda. The function of the government is to advance diversity and ESG, environmental, social, uh, well, I forget what, government, you know, uh, goals. Mm-hmm. That's the, what they see these things doing. So you look at Ohio, and the reason they have no interest in Ohio, it doesn't further their political aims. These people are expendable. That's the conspiracy. Hmm. Yeah. Not that the train was meant to, to, to break down there. Um, Josh, are you back? Yes, can, I, can, I, can I throw something on that? Sure. We were asking you, where were you at? Go ahead. I, I'm back. sorry. I, had, I, oh, I apologize, ma'am. No, I, I was on the phone with, uh, with, uh, with a client negotiating something. Don't worry okay. about it. Go ahead. <laughs> you can tell me, take time uh, to work. It, I, we understand. <laughs> Just as long as you mute yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's all I did. Yeah, I just muted myself, and you guys hung up on me, you know, Greg. <laughs> so <laughs> no, what do you think about no, I didn't hang train. up on you. I actually proved you back again. Hey. Oh, ow, all my feelings. No, when it comes to Ukraine, no, what people need to understand about Ukraine is um, the politicians do not care about Ukraine. They're going to throw a billion, 1.5, 1.8, 2 billion Five billion, I don't know, a hundred billion, whatever. They're going to throw all this money at Ukraine. It doesn't matter. What actually matters is the Halliburton side of it, where it's going to cost them five hundred billion dollars to rebuild their country after the smoke settles. It's the same stuff we did in Haiti. It's the same stuff we're doing all over the Middle East. 
Oh, so the more we but destroy, people, the more we have to spend on, on like a Marshall Plan for Ukraine? That's an interesting oh, no, theory. No. We, we, pay, we pay very little to destroy, my friend. We pay very little to destroy. To rebuild is very expensive. Yeah, and that's all we're doing. We don't care about the Ukraine. Nobody cares about the Ukraine. Are you kidding me? No. We're, we're, when, when all that dust settles, when Russia gets this little pound of flesh, because it's going to get it unless we're willing to go into World War III, and I think that's a really bad idea. But we're probably not going to do that. It's going to end up settling yeah. and taking some land. Yeah, so except after the fact, several hundred thousand people will be killed for no reason. Well, let's go about Josie's point because I want to get back to this. I think she's absolutely right that a lot of countries aren't aren't participating. Germany sent uh, tanks with that old German Iron Cross from World War II. That was not smart. But as far and I was reading Pravda, <laughs> the Russians really can't stand that. Uh, so that's that's definitely a confrontational. But if you remember the the coalition forces, you guys remember the Iraq wars? You know, both the Bush wars, Bush yeah. the elder, Bush the younger. And Bush the Younger yeah. tried to show he was better than Bush the Elder, but they're both screw-ups. Both, both of them are total screw-ups. But uh, they built a coalition. It was a, it was a UN coalition of, of countries that invaded Iraq, you know, but led by the United States. It's basically You're US talking operation about the of coalition of the willing. Well, yeah, but now there's no coalition this time. You I know, know. And so Germany, Germany's participating, terrible. sort of. No, you know, Germany but, uh, is desperate because they... No, Ger- Germany is desperate because they're the head of the EU, and they base their entire economy on Russia's oil supply. That's why everything is turning mm-hmm. to a well, show. Uh, what about uh, what about uh, Brandon blowing up the the Nord Stream two pipeline? I got uh, the, the pipeline. it looks like cyanide here. Although it's spelled S C I E N I D E seventy seven. That's our our Netherlands listener who's who's typing in a live chat right now. He says, German tanks at the mm-hmm. Russian border is like waving a red flag in front of a bull. I agree. Mm. That's, yeah. you know, uh, mm. be like Russian, you know, I tanks in, in, on the, Mexi- on the Mexican-U.S. border. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. yeah. I'm, t- I'm telling and, you. And, and you know, and you know Greg, Go ahead, uh, one of my friends from Australia, uh, she was telling me that banks are closing like every week and everywhere. In Australia, uh, they're trying to bring down the country in Australia and in many other countries. And you know, Greg, all those fires and so-called accidents in America, which I know they're not. And I'm going to prove you wrong. Coming up um, in Mexico, there are huge explosions, burning farms and things now. So mm-hmm. it's, this is worldwide. This is worldwide, and that's why the military of every country. March my word, because we're going to hear that soon. Uh, they are going to get rid of all these fake presidents that Biden, Bill Gates, Soros, and China, the, the criminals, have put in place. The people in Chile are freaking out. I had a couple different families come into my store, and a lot of people from Chile are right here in Pensacola now, and they're coming with a tourist visa, and they're staying they're afraid uh, to go back to their country, and this is not good, not good, not good at all, because everybody's coming here, and that's why I was talking. This lady was there for a while sharing a lot of stories uh, from Chile. Her daughter came to buy uniform, and she went back, but she's staying with her husband. So, you know, they came with a, with a visa, and they're not going to go back. 
So she's asking, do you have a job? I said, no, I don't hire illegals. <laughs> and she didn't like that. <laughs> I told her like it is. Well, nobody's supposed to hire so, illegals. That's the that's the whole point. No, exactly. So our Pensacola is surrounded by a lot of people from other countries right now. It's uh, it's crazy. I see it because uh, you can see the traffic. I know you live in Melton like I do, but I, my mm-hmm. store is in Pensacola, and I see the traffic. It's increasing and increasing. A lot of accidents. A lot of accidents. We hear the sirens every day. I feel like I'm back in Miami, and this is a small town of Pensacola. It's being invaded by all these illegal people coming right now, and I, I just can't believe we're not stopping this at all, and stopping the vaccine yes, ma'am. too. I want that. Mm-hmm. Yes, but ma'am. Absolutely. Said, yeah. So, Josh, do you think the trains and all the all the fires and things happening in America, do you think those are accidents? The train crash in East Palestine, Ohio? Yeah. No. Because if you're talking yeah. about a toxic spill in a town that the government obviously doesn't care about, what else people, is happening yeah. elsewhere? Yeah. That's, that's when you – Yeah. That's when you start asking what's going on elsewhere. And then I just saw um, some broad from WEF, uh, the World Economic Forum, talking about giving another. <laughs> yes, sir. <Broad>. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I did some some broad. Your, your words are mine. Okay. She has two arms. She has word. two legs and a face. I'm not very descriptive <laughs> with my language. Okay, fine. But no, so she, what uh, you say? Yeah. Highbrow show, please. She was talking. She was talking about uh, how they're going to give more money to Ukraine. And I don't know if you guys know anything about the Ukraine, but Ukraine is not actually a very cool place. Well, Josie knows about it. So does Jonathan, well, by I the way. Do. Jonathan I mostly been, I've been traveling been there. for 20 years to the Ukraine, so I know yeah. a lot about the Ukraine and a lot of small cities, uh, villages. Yeah. Right, right. All right. So the people... People of Ukraine, the Ukrainians, some of them might be the best people you'll ever meet in your life. The country is not a country I give a flying flip about. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's interesting. Kind uh, of, yeah. Dr. Kind Zelenko, of, yeah. one of our one of our heroes here, was born in the Ukraine. You know, he came mm-hmm. here yeah, so as, was as a young Mouse. kid. Who's that? Michael Mouse was born in the Ukraine. Who's that? Oh, your uncle. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't understand My what you were uncle? saying. Okay. Huh. Well, what what's happening in the Ukraine is uh, a lot of my friends, they're having baby, they're having wedding. Some of the pictures I see in the city, nothing's going on. Uh, I, I truly believe uh, that a lot of the uh, destructions were, were put and was destroying the bioweapon labs, like four in Kiev alone, the whole area. But most of the areas are fine because my friends are posting pictures and they're having baby, wedding, and they're going out. Were they like down in Odessa? I have some friends in Odessa also, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, what, no, I'm saying where, also, where the... Where's all that taking place down near the Odessa area? Uh, it's 
it's a little bit more in the Odessa area than Kia, of course, because it's like three and a half hours away, I believe. Yes, ma'am. Uh, but, so, but some of my friends in Nijian, which is three hours from uh, Kia, uh, they hear a lot of explosions and all that, but they don't see anything. They're hiding in their homes. So they don't know what's going on. And, and a lot of this stuff is fake because they were putting fake videos from 2014 that happened in the Ukraine on a video. And they made up a video and they sent it to a lot of families, which some of the families have sent me. And I'm like, you believe in that crap? That video of those firefighters is from Australia, not even from the Ukraine. So let me tell you, these people are blinded. They're afraid. They're locked in on some of them, some of the areas, but not all the, all of them. The ones in Kia are fine. Uh, my pastor over there already fled to Germany with his wife. Uh, the daughter, I don't know what she's going to do, one of the youngest daughter. Um, but it's just, I hear stories every week, every week. I'm on the phone every week with Ukraine. Yeah, I'm on the phone with the Ukraine. Can I ask you a question? One, let me t- yeah, go ahead. Well, I know a lot of people were fleeing from Ukraine into Poland, into Germany, into France, yes. into England. Um, <clears throat> what do you think is going to happen with the people that remained in Ukraine when Americans keep giving them a bunch of rifles and tanks and all this other nonsense? Like, what? what I don't want bad things to happen to Ukrainians, but they keep... I'm sorry, we, our taxpayer money keeps funding the bullets and the rifles, the rifles themselves and the tanks. What what do you think is going to happen now? What's going to happen is that people are not getting nothing because I just got a a messenger two days ago uh, asking for a donation for my girlfriend, her husband, they took him as some young military, um, and they're asking for money, for blankets, for uniform. Uh, I'll send you the, the thing, Greg, so you can read it. It's like I, I told her I'm going to be praying for them. I'm not sending a dime for that because you know what? They're supposed to be getting $60 billion, but you know what? The people haven't seen anything, so their own military have to buy their own thing. So I truly believe all the weapons and everything that we are supplying to the Ukraine, they're selling them because there is a plane that left Ukraine, and when it crashed, it was full of weapons from America. So this is a, the biggest scam and fraud ever, ever by the Democrats with the stripper in the Ukraine. Can hardly wait for this yes, show ma'am. to end, but not not yet. It's going yeah, to continue no, there, for a no, little it was bit. supposed no. to. Be, it was supposed to be 150 billion, and and the fact that that's not even getting to them and the people on the ground that you're talking to. Yep. They haven't got nothing. Well, nothing. here we go the, again. I asked my friend. I see news reports. I don't so, see U.S. weapons in the hands of Ukrainian soldiers. No, because they're selling. But you did, you did see Toyota load. Tundras and uh, uh, Ford Rangers in Taliban hands that were sold from I'm, – I'm just saying this entire thing, guys. We, I understand – that if you're American, you don't appreciate bullies and you want to stomp out bullies like Russia acting an ass in Ukraine. I get that. So, God, sometimes, guys, you, know, Jackson, you just need to not 
step into other people's shallow waters because it's electrified. I'm just saying. You know, Josh and uh, Greg and Bianchi, my missionary leader, we're not speaking to each other right now because he thinks I have drank the Kool-Aid, talking like that about the bioweapon labs and the neo-Nazis, which Laura Logan has reported. She's not a liar. She tells the truth. And that's why some of the, uh, some of the uh, media uh, uh, platform has banned her because she was telling the truth like I do. And, and let me tell you, he's not speaking to me, but slowly but surely, he's going to find out. He's going to find out what's exactly going on because he hates Putin. But Putin is not, and I emphasize the word not, he's not the one killing, destroying, raping uh, Ukrainian innocent people. He's not. It's the opposite. They're begging him to to help them, and he has helped so many families in the Ukraine. I have I have different videos in Ukrainian, and my girlfriend uh, uh, translates a lot of them. Uh, she's from Ukraine. Uh, she's in Arizona, actually, and uh, she's the one that helps me translate what's going on uh, on a lot of stuff because I understand a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, but. It's 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 happening. So he doesn't speak to me because he thinks Putin is the devil in two feet. I said, well, whatever. whatever. Well, Putin's no and, angel. Uh, he he is sending troops, and they are firing missiles and artillery. You know, and and Zelensky's no hero either. I mean, there's this. You know, it's like, what they say: a pox on both their houses. Let me give you a quick word. I want to ask you before we get to the top of the hour about CPAC and the future yes, of, of the so. Republican conservatives, but. Uh, so the view from, from uh, Holland is that, uh, yes, the U.S. blew up the, the pipeline, um, that the war has been going on a lot longer than just one year. And that was, that's why I brought in the, the 2014 mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and uh, what else we got here? That Holland was involved in the color revolution. So I'm asking uh, Cyanide 77 what other folks were involved, uh, other countries. Um, but, yeah, apparently uh, he's, he knows about Norway. So Seymour Hersh is, is, is big news. So this is, this is worldwide news, too. Uh, that there's no repercussions yet. So what's, what, let me ask you what you think Putin's going to do uh, and Europe's going to do about the fact that we blew up their pipeline. That's huge. And no, no one here is talking about it. They're going to blow up something of the United States. Putin is a hero. Putin helped Namibia to fight off the South African well, that's apartheid regime. Okay. Putin helped Angola. When uh, Algeria, Putin came to help uh, Zimbabwe to fight off the Rhodesian regime in Africa. Putin has a long history of doing things to help nations to uh, ward off their oppressive uh, enemies. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, is the Russian are, are Russian folks still there? They become Russian, you know, immigration places. Do they do a lot of business with Russia? What's what's the outcome of these things where where Putin has helped these countries? Well, yeah, they have free trade with Russia, if you want okay. to say. If people want to go there, they go. Yes. Just like Castro does. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cuba does. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, Greg, uh, uh, Putin, Putin uh, has destroyed 35 bioweapon lots in the Ukraine, but he's leaving 11 so the whole world can see with their own naked eye what's really been going on in the Ukraine. And a lot of this bioweapon lab, it was to attack Russia. And, of course, he wants to bring him down. And the, the, the Pentagon was afraid that uh, Putin was going to get his hands on this bioweapon lab and to show the world the evidence, what the Pentagon, the Clintons, the Bidens, and way back the Bushes, they all are 
in this corruption with the Ukraine. The Ukraine is the swamp that Donald Trump talked that he was going to drain it and it start in the Ukraine. We hmm. do not know what he meant when he was saying that. Has, so has Putin released any videos? On. Has Putin released any videos of the labs that are destroyed? Have they, are there any uh, documentaries coming out of Russia? I mean, I, I'll, I'll check Pravda. I've been watching the Russian news. I'm going to go bit. ahead and drop the Russian word for that yet. No. Okay. So this is, so so if these labs are being destroyed by Russia, then I would think that they would gloat over it and and get some uh, media out on that. And I haven't seen anything yet. No. That's what I'm curious. No, dude. That's not how this works. Are you kidding me? Uh, how's no, it work? dude. They can't. They, how does it work? Uh, never acknowledge anything at all. Take it over. Are you kidding me? They're 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 infiltrating everything all the time. The, Russia's been reporting a lot that what's been going on. Uh, with the Ukraine, but like Josh just said, the media doesn't allow for you to see it. They stop it. I have seen a few reports uh, when somebody's talking, uh, reporting what's going on, and my girlfriend has translated some of it, and uh, there you don't see that anywhere. You don't see that anywhere. But he's no, he's Greg, Greg, what you what you and, were, what you were just asking for was what what did Russia report as its actual findings? of stepping on foreign soil and what they were doing. Yeah. It's pretty much the Soviet Union and the Chinese CCP. Yeah. They lie all the time about everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if they were to step foot into Ukraine and find something, they would not report it. Is that a factual statement? I don't know. Yeah, they wouldn't. I wouldn't if I were. Why not? Why wouldn't they report it? When the war began, Putin told Western news know. agency. They Putin don't. No, they, they, they don't report. Remember, remember the COVID numbers from China. You remember the COVID numbers from Russia. It's all the same thing, dude. They lie. That's all they do. I'm aware that we're supposed to be civil and contractual about this stuff, but guys, come on. They mm-hmm. lie. They don't up, want to have mutual. There's no mutual respect. <laughs> I believe what's going to happen is once all the evidence gets out fully, uh, I believe Russia is going to take Zelensky down uh, completely uh, because uh, you got to be stupid not to believe that if Russia really wanted to attack and take over Ukraine, he would have done it in 24 hours to 48 the max. That's it. And we know it. People believe, oh, uh, Ukraine is winning and all that. Of course not. No. All these weapons and everything, they're not even using them. They're, they're selling them. They're, they're making all this money on stupid Americans that will continue selling, sending the stuff, and now we're going to pay for, for people's retirement and, and, and paycheck. I mean, come on. Let's take over America first and then the rest of the world if we have any money left, in which we don't. Take care of our own people first. America should be first. But anyway, on that note, I got to go. Uh, I have to go earn my living here, and uh, God bless you guys. And I'll well, thanks for your report. This was fascinating. Dollar yeah. in God, God bless you, ma'am. Ciao. God bless you. All right. And you know one other thing too, Zelensky will probably end up turning over to Russia. The Abrams. Zelensky is a he's an actor. He's not even a politician. He's an actor. He's well, basically Justin Trudeau with a higher population. 
<laughs> All right, gentlemen, hold up for a second. I'm, I'm going to take a break here, and then we're going to come back, and I've got a total different topic. We actually, we have a title for the show today. So I want to know what's going on in the federal government and also this uh, this whole diversity push. Does it help or hurt? And I think I want to get into that. If not, we can come back to this. We get bored. We can always bring this up again. I'm pretty free to do stuff here. But I want to play you a couple things, take a little break. Back in about four minutes. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. 
every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, we are back, and I've been having fun uh, typing messages on live chat, which everybody can see, uh, to our, our new uh, friend of the show in Holland. And so I'm asking for, you know, sources, all kinds of stuff, hoping to, I guess he's not on Facebook anymore. Uh, I still use it a lot um, because I have 20 different groups here where we post various stories and things like that. Apparently, the farm situation in Holland is still disgusting. Uh, looks like they funded or helped fund the the, uh, the revolution in Ukraine, uh, the color revolution in 2014. I'm going to look more into that. But we've got a problem right now. And the the O'Brandon administration, the illegal folks sitting in the White House right now, have this this new policy basically to get rid of all the white guys, the straight white guys. And my contention is, you know, a lot of us straight white guys do a lot of hard work. And if you if you remove all the the hardworking white guys, you know, you get a diversity government. And when you get a diversity government of people that are only there because of whatever category you want to fulfill, not because of any merit, then then the government falls apart. Well, and that's what's happening. Their, fall, their diversity is making them fall apart. Uh, national diversity is making companies fall apart. This wokeness, this ESG, environmental social goals, you know, are totally screwing everything up. There's no merit anymore. We've, we've totally lost any sense of merit. This is why I'm glad Josh is on the line now, too, uh, to be able to comment on this. But uh, just overall impressions, uh, this is one screwed up country. <laughs> and they're throwing away the, the working guys. Josh, what do you think? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, you can be uh, pretty cross a, a lot of the time. I don't understand the uh, anger, really. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't understand. Well, you know me. I don't. I don't really follow all these trendy topics. So, white guys are evil, really. Okay, white guys are evil. Well, I don't agree with that. There's a, that's a, that's a bunch of yeah, nonsense. I'm just saying we have all. Why would you say that? You I'm know, just saying. I'm just okay. saying. Well, we we bring we bring shiny objects to the table all the time. I'm just saying. I don't I don't understand how you can have so much hate in your heart for somebody because of their skin color. It makes no sense to me. Well, unless it gets you a political advantage, maybe it's not hate. Maybe it's just uh, it's just a technique. Maybe it's just something that works. Like oh, no, you no, ever, no. You're talking of people that talk about it. You're not talking about the people that actually feel it in the streets. Yeah, I'm talking about those people, the okay. people that feel it in the streets. Oh, uh, do you think there's such a thing as white? You are. Go ahead, Pianchi. There are societies that are ethnocentric. There are. There's a society, Ghana, the Akan is ethnocentric. They don't marry out of their ethnic group. I mean, it's just the way it is. You do not become a paramount chief in Ghana, West Africa, if you're mixed. It don't happen. They are ethnocentric. Yes, sir. We're American. And, well, you got a lot of people that come here from other countries that foster those. See, they don't they don't pick off who they are when they get ready to board the plane. They come with those ideologies, but I don't have no problem with. And they celebrate, you know, like here in the United States, they got Nigerian 
mm-hmm. American Beauty Contest. They got the Ghanaian yes, American sir. Beauty Contest. They don't mix with black Americans. You think there's never been a black beauty queen? No, no they, they don't the have one. They don't. In other words, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm they, sorry. They don't join in with black American beauty contest. They have their own particular beauty contest. That's the way it is. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but to Americans raised that the world is black and white, to think that there are, are, are black folks that have different national origins or come here from different places that aren't all the same as all, all the, the black generations are already here, that's, they don't, people don't understand that. You know, it's such a different thing, you know, and we have ethnocentrism. Well, look at the United States. You can't be president, well, until Obama, you know, if you're not born here, you know, a natural born citizen. You know, that's, that's our version of it. You know, do, do you think that, uh, you know, you, you can become president of Japan, for example, if you're, uh, I don't know, Samoan? Probably not. You know, so a lot of countries do. No. A lot of countries are very restrictive. Although it's interesting, Fujimori was, I think, president. Well, of look Japan, at Angela Davis. Well, let's look at Angela Davis. Yeah, go for it. You mean oh, the, the I love white? that story. Please tell, please tell them, brother. Please tell them what, what happened to Angela Davis. Please tell them. Angela Davis was the darling, little darling for the Black Panthers and Black Power. She's an open Marxist. America is this, that, and the other. When she had a DNA done with Louis Gates, he found out that uh, her forefathers' parents were settlers that came here and they had slaves. She was on the, her family came from the Mayflower and she owned slaves. Yeah, boy. I'm sorry. That's hilarious to me. Well, see, this is interesting. So she don't get no reparations. Yeah. Go ahead, Jenny. Yes, sir. No, she doesn't get any reparations. No, sir. Well, I said yesterday she'd have to pay them to herself, which I think is kind of interesting. But but what do you think? I know, I know, but no, I I even said that back in the day. I was like, um, I'm Scotch Irish and I'm uh, a little bit British, and I'm like. Does my Scottish DNA pay my Irish DNA a little bit of reparations for the slavery over the last thousand years? I don't know. It's weird. But no, when uh, when I saw that lady, Angela Davis, no, because it was the same thing with Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, he, uh, he came into that same room, took the same DNA test, and he thought he was like, oh, my God, I, you know, I know I'm ascended, you know, I'm descended from – slavery in america i'm black and i'm so proud and then he learned that his family descended from slaves obviously but his family's slavery ended a year after it was ended for every everyone else because it was actually uh the native americans that enslaved his family so it wasn't you know, colonial stuff. It was Native American stuff, and he was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe it." But no, when it when it came to Angela Davis, that was hilarious. She learned that her ancestors came off the Mayflower. They owned slaves. They were the same people that she was so very angry at. Well, she can still that. be angry at them. You know? I mean, you know, you're not you're not tied to your ancestors that much. This is kind of interesting. But I don't see a lot of I, uh, this would be interesting with uh, black public figures coming up with their ancestry DNA. I mean, Pianchi, I haven't seen a lot of uh, folks. Come. Maybe they're discovering some things. Maybe this is one of those great I mysteries. I guarantee that, that can... guy is descended from Napoleon. Okay. Well, hold on a sec, Josh. Pianchi? 
is this a popular thing to do ancestry DNA or, or, you know, 23andMe or any of these uh, ancestry services uh, to, to find out, to trace back uh, who folks are and, you know, where they might be descended from, especially black public figures. I don't well, see a lot of that. Angela do. Davis. Go ahead. Blacks do it because they try to associate themselves with Africa. Okay. But on the way there, they find out they got a road to go to Britain, got a road to go to Ireland like Muhammad Ali did. Uh-huh. And they don't want to recognize that. You got some mm-hmm. ig- ignorance there. Or is it just inconvenient? So, it doesn't fit the agenda. Well, no, it doesn't fit the agenda. That's why cause you got to fight it on the level that they fight you. Hmm. There ain't no, there is no, what do you want to call, sanitized strategy. They don't use that. So yeah, it's Angela interesting. Davis the, the, the lug in the whole Angela Davis thing that drew a lug into mm-hmm. the whole argument that you ain't hearing many people talking about openly, but I bet you they talking about it in the back room. <laughs> oh my but God. But that's why I asked you the question. You know, I mean, is she now an African Caucasian American? You know, is there or do we have a, a new group of, of African, British, Irish Americans? I mean, this is interesting. I mean, the categories are going to go out the window. <laughs> This is going to be fun. I love stuff like this just because it does amuse me. All right, let me get back to this article here. I want to talk about, uh, and uh, again, if, if we go on the changes, that's okay too. But the article is Revolver Magazine. So let me just flash back up at the top, give you a title and author. Title is America Lost the Hardworking Men Who Held Her Together and Now She's Crumbling. February 22nd of, of this year, so like a little bit ago. It's a revolver uh, written by, well, I guess it's exclusive to Revolver. They don't, uh, oh, here we go, Jesse. Oh, that's, that's a CNN thing. Anyway, um, different article. So Revolver put this article out and then we get into pilots, which is interesting because Pianchi and I are both pilots. And it talks about, it says here, when, when you see stories about American planes nearly crashing into each other, do you feel more or less confident when you also see stories about the pressing need to make pilots more quote diverse? And they got this big ad in this thing. And you've got two black women flying this airplane. This is the end of all male, all white cockpits. All right. And it says airlines are struggling to finally get enough uh, pilots, you know, in there. Uh, diversity pilots in there. Now, I remember when I was in flight school, this is back at the, uh, the 89. So 89, I'm in flight school. 90, I'm a full-time flight instructor. 92, the airlines went broke, and with it, it went my career because um, there's just no jobs for, for years and years. But anyway, the point was that that was when they started to put women uh, in the cockpits of airliners. So you had women in there with maybe 300 hours, and you had guys that would need 2,500 hours before they were even eligible. Because they want women there. And I remember this, this, this uh, sort of, you know, no one else heard, but it didn't make the news. But there was a case when the, an, airplane was, an airplane was landing, had a brand new woman pilot, uh, first officer, who did not understand the air traffic controls, did not understand the controller. And this old male voice, you know, comes in and says, uh, we're going to, yeah, comply. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, so you've got basically one pilot in this airplane and one observer. And I thought, what a stupid idea. I got nothing against women flying. I taught, I taught more women students than most instructors. They make great pilots. But the thing is, they came to me to be pilots. They didn't go to the airlines to, to get a, a leg up on, on everybody else that actually went through the, the rigors of becoming an airline pilot. That was just as stupid as what's happening now. So the idea that You're diversity... You're saying diversity well, hires or might be a bad idea? All right, one at a time. That's why I come when you teach, your, when you teach ahead, your young people how to fly. I teach my uh-huh. grandsons. He right. learns the old method. He learns uh-huh. the VHL, omnipresence, VR range. Uh-huh. He goes by the steam gauges. 
They use the steam gauges to learn. We don't use the glad GPS stuff. Those mm-hmm. are satellites. They can go out in a minute. And if they do, now where are you at? You don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Yeah, I used to have a technique where I would have uh, students before they would I let them solo on a cross country. We'd be on the way back. And I wouldn't tell them I would do this. It was just I just did. Uh, I, I'd uh, fail all the instruments. I would these stickers so you could cover things up. I covered everything up except the uh, the compass. I said you're going to fly back in the compass. They didn't even know their altitude. I mean, I'd check periodically to make sure we weren't too far off. But I covered up everything. I said, okay, you've lost everything. You know, your vacuum system has failed. Your instruments have failed. Your battery's dead. All you've got to get home is this compass. Let's go. And they would navigate back, and of course, the compass bounces. You know, you have to take, take an average of where it is. And they re- reverse the checkpoints. And Elon did a lot better than they thought they could. So people have the resources to do this, but we don't train them how to do this. But this diversity cockpit, now, are they going to lower the requirements? Are they going to put, uh, you know, are they going to put in, uh, I don't know, Asian women under five foot in the cockpits just to get them in there? This is, can they see over the instrument panel? You know, I mean, this is to think about. Pianchi. And then John. You have a flu under the hood? What's that now? You have a flu under the hood? Oh, of course. I'm a commercial instrument uh, rated pilot. Yeah, I was a multi-instrument okay, instructor. That's what I'm talking about. When right. you fly under the hood, you can't see yep. nothing other than what's right in front of you, and they're going to gauge it. And you yeah. have to trust the gauge. You know, that's the funny mm-hmm. thing I like to talk about these white. I mean, these blacks who hate whites. I say, if you fly an instrument in the cloud, more than 99%, that's going to be a white controller that's telling you where you are and what you need to do. So where's your hate for whites then? Yeah. You know, are you going to reject the white ambulance uh, that comes to get you when you've been in a car wreck? You know, I mean, are you going to have not have the white lawyer defend you when you need a lawyer? I mean, yeah, the, the, the idea of getting rid of white guys, especially, you know, the guys, because that's what they're really talking about. Uh, this is, you know, this country, it, will, it goes to the theory that I, I started yesterday. So you, Josie is much more that this is purposeful, this is organized, that all these things are falling, uh, like the food processing plants, the trains, it's all intentional, it's all being designed. I don't think so. Uh, this, this article and some others talks about the fact that uh, the reason these things are falling apart is because the guys that know how to make them work are either dead or retiring. And they talked about the pipeline. Let me go back up just a little bit here for Josh. Uh, they were talking about this, this pipeline, this uh, gas pipeline that ran from Texas to New Jersey. And the biggest problem was that the, the guy, oh, here we go. This is early signs aren't promising. Here we go. When Colonial Pipeline suffered a major outage due to a cyber attack, the company's CEO had to admit that the company was essentially incapable of operating its pipelines manually, not because it was impossible, but because everyone with the knowledge to do so was retired or dead. Josh, what do you think? I think we should all be counting our lucky stars that we are alive today and we have the benefits of all the shiny objects that we keep using. And you are a well, I can't I can't say that on the radio. Okay, fine. Uh, I get the idea. You <laughs> are right. terrible. But you are terrible exactly. if you don't appreciate that, yeah? Mm, I think no, I think you're missing the point, but that's okay. Pianchi, go ahead. I want to get back to the article. That's the company's fault. The company should have their personnel trained in all situations. Mm-hmm. Do you all think they just situations became, they should be trained. Do you think there's a complacency and a negligence? Like, do you think the train engineers, you know, noticed that their bearing was heating up before they got to East Palestine? Uh, are they trained to handle that, or are they, yeah. or is it uh, you just keep going? Hold on, let's um. 
I'm gonna think about this for a little bit here. You know, if, is if it the information went back? If the information went back to the stations, the monitoring right. stations, they could have cut. They could have shut the train down. They have the ability to do that. They I have sensors along the tracks that can measure just yeah. about anything. Yeah. Well, in fact, they did that. They said that they've got a track. Right. Re- they've got a, a record. There's a printed record of this thing gradually heating up. You know, they noticed that it was like 39 degrees above ambient, and then it was 100 degrees, then it was 200 degrees, then it was 230 degrees. They were degrees, told then, to stop the train, and they did not. Why did they do ah, that? Do you tell me? No, they were told to stop the train. I know because I actually worked with these guys for a little bit on a rail. Well, that's interesting. I okay, understand. I understand how they operate, man. You have mm-hmm. a you have a rail you have a train master at every port. Every, every single time the train stops, you have a, a rail master. They understood the entire time. They told the train to stop, and they did not. Why? This is when you start getting into your, uh, I don't know, your Sherlock Holmes, who, what, where, when, how, and why. Yeah. Why? Why did they not stop? I have no idea. It makes no sense guess. to me that they did not else. stop when they were told to stop. Yeah? I'll tell you something else. There needs to be a caboose in the end of the, the train with live people in it because they're not going to do something that they're going to end up running into killing themselves. And another point, the government coming in and burning the contents of the car. See, the contents of the car maintained. They didn't spill out. And if it was, it was a minimum amount. But to burn it was a dumb idea is those people that burned it, if it was government, EPA, they need to be responsible, not the railroads. Yeah, but you're talking about the rails when only five men are necessary. You need a foreman, you need a conductor, you need two engineers, and you need someone to maintain the rest of the fucking train. Yeah, I'm just saying, dude, there were only three people. I apologize. I was not trying to curse. There were only three people on that train, and all of them survived and walked away from it without any scratches. Well, because they were ahead of the derailment. The derailment happened midway or somewhere down the train. It wasn't happening up in the engine. I'm just saying, yeah, they they may have been in the front car. That's completely fine. I'm just saying that that's not a fair assessment as to what was happening there. What was happening there doesn't make any sense with what we're being told right now. Everything's yeah. everything's fine. You can drink the water. Pete Buttigieg you know, I, shows up, drinks smart water, right? Yeah, he, 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 he's not drinking the real stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's here's what I think happened. Then I want to get back to the article. So what I think happened was that the bean counters took over, and yes, there were safety concerns, and yes, they probably were tur- told to stop the train. But I, I have a feeling, knowing American business the way it works these days, I think they're probably overridden by a bean counter that said, see if you can get it going. Just see if you can get to the next station. See if you can get the load closer so that we don't lose money. That's what I think happened. And then I think, I don't know who what happened between Northern uh, Suffolk and, uh, or Norfolk Southern and, and the EPA. But as Pianchi said, and I've looked at the pictures of the, of the, the cars, they were not ruptured. They were not broken apart. Uh, obviously, there was a fire over them, but the, you look at that scene. Everybody's seen the scene of the of the, the fire starting. It's interesting they had the, the cameras ready to go to, for that burn. They already the, admitted that they set the fires themselves. Dude. Right, but the thing is, the air is completely clear. There's no chemicals in the air that you can until see. Until they set them on fire? Until they set them on fire. Yep. 
All right. That's Let me get back fair, to this here. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, see if we want to. Oh, here's something interesting. I'll just get this one little section. I want to go on to Obama's plan. It says, try to imagine if we ever would have gotten to the moon with this set of twisted priorities, talking about you know, affirmative action uh, above all. This is speaking of which, with, uh, what better example of the decline in human capital, this is what this article talks about, that a real decline in the infrastructure is, is, the, the defi- is the decline of the human beings who know what's going on and actually do the work, mostly men. So the decline in human capital and infrastructure that our inability to repeat the moon missions we achieved over half a century ago with pre-pocket calculator technology. And we got a quote here from Darren J. B. B-E-A-T-T-I-E, who said this was 50 years ago, a feat achieved with a pre-pocket calculator technology that no advanced nation has been able to replicate since. Yeah. And then it goes on. We've got here the next section. I'll just read this other section here. Will affirmative action NASA... Uh, Josh, I'm going to mute you just for a second. got some background noise there. So uh, you want to mute yourself, too, whenever you're not... Uh, uh, not chatting, just so it keeps it a uh, better signal. It says, unsurprisingly, America's permanent crusade against phantom racism in everything is closely linked to the country's decay in managing complex systems. Remember the crippling water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi last fall? It didn't come out of nowhere. Rather, it was just the culmination of more than a decade of steadily escalating failure in the local government until finally the city couldn't even fulfill one of the most basic functions that even lower middle income countries typically manage. Even the Biden administration, and I use that term loosely, planned solution to the Jackson crisis has been to appoint an emergency manager in order to save Jackson from its own incompetence. The Washington Post so simply took one look at the crisis and decided that, you know, whelp, racist white people were to blame. It says urban planning experts uh, contrast the investment that flows to better off white areas with that lacking in places like Jackson. Racism set Jackson up for failure. It was a man-made disaster that was decades in the making. And this is from Andre Perry, senior fellow of the Brookings Institution, Metropolitan Policy Program, which is Brookings' is leftist, right? It says it was a lack of investment in black people that failed the water system. He says, when you get uh, a new mall, a new community college, a new movie theater, they're typically placed in non-black areas. Those developments led to infrastructure development. So there's a tacit re- refurbishing or a greater likelihood that infrastructure is built in white areas. See, they, never, they can't get over it. It's, it, it. Pianchi, I'm going to bring Josh back on. Pianchi, they can't get over it. They can't stop blaming white people. They can't stop blaming um, you know, the, the lack of diversity for all the problems. They can't stop blaming Trump for the, the rail accident when his regulation, even if he took those regulations out, it wouldn't have changed a thing. They can't get past themselves. They're obsessed with this. You know, diversity works when it doesn't. Anyway, Pianchi, then Josh, let's see if you guys have a comment. That's what on this. that lady on The View said about what was that? Palestine. Okay. That they voted for Trump, so what you got is a punishment. The white lady with the red lips. <laughs> Who's that? On The View. The View. Whoopi with Goldberg uh, bunch. I, I, I know Whoopi. I don't know who this uh, the Joy Behar is the only other one I know. I don't know I don't who that lady. I don't know her only, name, but yeah. she's a white lady. Uh-huh. They usually sit there in the middle. Okay. And her lips is always flaming red with lipstick. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to watch the video again. Well, here's what the article says, which is interesting. This is, of course, even if mass flight of people and capital explains Jackson's troubles, the Post doesn't dare admit why the people and the money fled. 
The typical response is simply hand-waving about racism. White people, and also middle-class black people, evidently. So that's interesting. So white people, middle-class black people, we have a lot in common. We, should, we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, they say are just so racist and so evil that they will abandon entire well-made functioning cities just to indulge their racism. The reality, of course, is that people flee cities precisely because they're already becoming unlivable. Jackson has a murder rate of nearly 90 per 100,000 people, more than triple that of Chicago, and higher than any large city in the country. In a given year, a random resident of the city has a nearly one in a thousand chance of dying by violence. Trace it all back then, and Jackson's water troubles are substantially driven by the political failure to maintain basic safety. But of course, a police department capable of suppressing crime is itself a complex infrastructure-like system, and yet another system that America loves to ruin with affirmative action and gutted standards. Blaming racism for the problems of Jackson or Chicago or any other city is a cliche, an excuse used to avoid engaging with America's steady decline or why it seems inexorable. Yet this cliche is the only response America, America's regime knows to react any other way by restoring meritocracy. That's what we've been talking about the whole show here, by enforcing laws, by favoring the capable and law-abiding over the useless and parasitic has become unthinkable. This is, we were sadly right two years ago, but it's all going to get worse in the years to come. There's more of the article. Actually, that's it, that's it for the article. Um, so, Josh, I'm going to bring you back on. See if, like I say, if you had the background noise, I'll have to mute you again. But if you mute yourself, that's cool. Piaki, here's where we are. It's, it's, it's this myth that racism governs everything as opposed to incompetence and a total lack of, of, of systems. Remember when we used to learn systems? We learned how things work. We, we learned basics in plumbing, electricity. You probably know more than me. You did more with the construction work. But we understood things that we had to work, like an airplane. I, had to learn, I learned to fly an airplane. It, basically, I started at 13. That was a fairly complex system for a 13-year-old. But I learned it, and I learned that I had to learn it, or I wasn't going to get to fly by myself. In the same way kids today are so ingrained in the, the, the technology that it does everything for them, they don't bother to learn complex systems because the answer is always there. It's on YouTube. It's somewhere in their, their tablet. You know, it's just they don't have to do anything for themselves. And because of that, we've lost entire generations of people that believe that they are responsible rather than the machines are responsible. Hey, Greg, I'm going to go ahead and respond to that as a child of the 90s. Yep. Your skin color doesn't really actually matter because if you do terrible things, then I don't know. I come, I come from a different era, I guess. But uh, you do bad things, I don't care what your skin color is. There's a good chance you're going to be responded to accordingly. And I, I just never saw the skin color thing being a thing. It, just, it doesn't make sense to me. But now everything's about skin color. And it's like uh, you can't really respond accordingly because now you're you're like, uh, this guy sucks, but, you know, you're walking on thin ice because of his skin color. It doesn't mean anything anymore. You know what I mean? It means everything, though. That's the problem. It, it does mean everything. You know, and, and we try to get rid of it in our own lives and treat people as we, as individuals, we, we don't have to accept it. But uh, it is forced upon us by the government, which is basically segregating everybody. Pianki, you were going to say something. Whites have been suckered into this position that's turning around and destroy and, and it's trying to destroy them. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. 
So, so, so how does a white male do you fight back? This is an interesting question, you know, especially the younger guys. So this would be more for Josh. Um, but uh, I've already made my fight. My fight's at Action Radio. So mine's decided. But for, for guys that want to be the, uh, run the nuclear plants and, and uh, you know, handle the, the, the reservoirs and the dams and, and work with the infrastructure and the power plants uh, and the systems and, and run the, the sewer treatment plants and manage the transportation systems, the, the subways and everything else. For the, the, the guys, uh, a lot of these are guys you know, we're talking about here that do this kind of work. Everything from the power pole line climbing to, uh, you know, the emergency services to whatever it is. You know, how... How do you compete in a world that specifically outlaws, you know, hiring you when they can hire somebody who looks different? You know, especially well, yeah, and the one that's different does not have the skills. You just have to call it out for what it is. Like in yeah. some colleges, where they spot black kids, 310 points on the college mm-hmm. entrance exam, mm-hmm. and they deduct 170 from Asians. Because Asians put in a lot of work in order to be experts, or just we have that expertise in math. So yep. you have to call them out for it. You know, you have to have business and say, look, if, if you was a, uh, a student and they spotted you 310 points, I'm not going to hire you. You know, I wonder if it's going to get to the point where under diversity, people are paid more, you know, on the job. I mean, has, has this happened where companies, in order, in order to be woke, they're going to pay their black employees 20% more and their Hispanic employees 15% more. They're going to deduct 20% from their Asian employees simply to be equitable. I mean, are we going to get to a place where your race determines your salary? You think, you think those motherfuckers are eating sandwiches? Uh, Josh, you got to watch the language, Josh. Don't do that again. Pianki, go ahead, and then we'll get to Josh. You had the school district in Minnesota. The school board said they were going to lay off the white teachers before they lay off the black teachers. I remember that. Good point. Yeah, very true. So this is good. So you know, people always go to extremes. They go until the until they're, they're pushed back, and so this is only going to get worse. And, and Obama's behind a lot of it. And it's really too bad. I mean, I didn't vote for him, didn't want him. I thought he was a danger, you know, all the time. I didn't care about the the, the white guild. That never applied to me because I don't have that. So I looked at him and I saw him as a Marxist Muslim, you know, destroyer of this country. And I pretty much proved right. Okay, Josh, go ahead. Yep, oh, he's muted himself. Okay, good. All right, let's get so, back to this article. No, I'm talking here, and I'm sorry. Okay, um, I'm sorry. Things are pretty just, lively here. Yeah, no, you're talking about self-censorship here. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to just shop on myself. Okay. Um, just don't drop really F-bombs. That's all bad... I ask. <laughs> huh? I said just don't drop F-bombs. That's all I ask. You can be controversial. Uh I don't know, man. You threw you threw me in a little bit of a, a freaking. They got a okay. I've anyway, a so... children's book with F bombs in it. Yeah, I know that's terrible. All right, Josh, I'm gonna meet you for a little bit. We only got about 20 minutes left. I want to talk to Pianki uh, uh, about this for for a little bit here. So here's one. Here's an article I found: Accuracy in Media, Reason to Hate, Barack Obama's Racist Roots. And so I think a lot of our problems now stem from Barack Obama. Uh, and go back to, uh, well, let me read you the article and, and see what you think of this. And this is Rusty Weiss and Cliff Kincaid, July 17th of 2012. So we're going back to the Obama administration. He says the, they say the morning after Election Day 2008, the New York Times proclaimed that Barack Obama's victory had, quote, swept away the last racial barrier in America's politics. See, I think it caused the greatest racial barrier in American politics, but that's my view. It says, however, as the president's first term draws to a close, 
a case can be made that the historic election was anything but post-racial. Rather, it has been the most racially polarizing presidency in modern times. The reason I go over this article in 2012 is it leads directly to the the, the Brendan executive order, which repeats what Obama did earlier. And so I probably won't get to today. I'll have to pick it up tomorrow. But it says here, this is not a surprise, however, to those familiar with Obama's background and thinking on racial matters, nor to those who have studied the role played by communist Frank Marshall Davis in raising him as a young man in Hawaii during his critical coming-of-age period. Davis was not only a slavish follower of Joseph Stalin, but a black racist who saw sinister white plots in the foreign policies of the United States and other Western nations. And that's exactly how Obama governed, right? So let's continue here. And like I say, we're going to lead our path to uh, all the things we're talking about. He's, the article says, Davis, a poet and writer, had written a controversial poem, Christ is a Dixie N-word, dismissing the object of the Christian faith as another new white hope. Obama's own book, Dreams of My Father, talks about asking Frank for advice when his white grandmother had been accosted by a black panhandler. Davis told Obama that his grandmother was right to be scared and that, quote, she understands that black people have reason to hate. Paul Kengor's new book, and that's K-E-N-G-O-R, new book, The Communist, Frank Marshall Davis, The Untold Story of Barack Obama's Mentor, examines the Davis mentality and ideology which shaped Obama in more detail. As Kengor's book documents, uh, Davis. Now, the reason I'm reading this is because this, is the, this has become our government policy, and this is where it all came from. He said, uh, consider, Davis said, considered American racism a disease that Red Russia had solved, wrote it in a column on July 20th, 1946, that the Soviet Union had, in a less than a generation, abolished discrimination and racism, wrote that the only people Winston Churchill cared about were the white people of the British Empire, labeled the Marshall Plan for Western Europe after World War II uh, a form of white imperialism designed to help maintain European empires at the expense of exploited dark colonial peoples and considered anti-communism a form of racism. Pianchi. Pretty wild stuff. They brought back... See, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Derek Jeter, he's just as biologically the same as Obama, but his skin is white. Who's Derek Jeter? Who's Derek Jeter? You mentioned him before. He's a shortstop. He's a famed shortstop for the New York Yankees. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now I think I know who you're talking about. All right. Go ahead. He's a white guy? Suppose he was elected. See, they wouldn't elect him as president because although he has a black father and a white mother, just like Obama did, his skin Mm -hmm. is white. Hmm. You see where I'm getting at with this? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, there's a lot of white people who claim, that, or at least black people who look white, claim they're black. And it's it's uh, it, so being black is not just a skin color. It's a it's an attitude. It's a it's a characteristic. It's a it's a quality about you. I don't know. It gets very confusing. It's a superficial definition. Is what it is. It's the old idea that leftists create new words and new definitions. Yeah. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah. There's more of this article. I'm going to read more of it here, but it basically gets to the same thing. So if you think of Obama as a racist, which I believe he is, uh, everything else he does makes sense. So we've got that one. Let me get to uh, – there's another article I wanted to get to. I guess it's on a different different thing. This this policy. So this is this – is, so Obama actually tried to implement this policy before, and it didn't 
There we go. It didn't work. So we've got, uh, where's one? Where's what I'm looking for here? All right, here's a Washington Times article. I think this is the one I'm looking for. So this one, here we go. Editorial, Obama, you know, whites need not apply. And this, again, is, a, is an article from, that explains Obama's policy based on what we just heard from the previous article. And this is from the Washington Times. Liberals don't want our government to mirror our society. Uh, editorial, Obama, whites need not apply by Washington Times, uh, Friday, August 19, 2011. So, again, mid-Obama's uh, second term. It says the White House issued an executive order on Thursday titled Establishing a Coordinated Government-Wide Initiative to Promote Diversity and Inclusion in the Federal Workforce. This is exactly the same executive order that just got reissued. This is how I know Obama's behind it. It's the same order. It says the purpose of this order is to promote the federal workplace as a model of of equal opportunity, diversity, and inclusion. Well, you can't have those. You can't have equal opportunity. Uh, if you're also pushing diversity and inclusion and, and limiting people based on what you consider their diversity quotient, you've already violated equal opportunity because it's not equal opportunity. It's diversity and inclusion, whatever that is. Anyway, the article says, in other words, it would be better for the government if public spirited white workers sought employment elsewhere. Lost amid all the politically correct box checking is the principle that the most qualified person should be hired for the job. So we've completely lost that whole thing. That's this just on. Article says President Obama's new order instructs federal agencies to design new strategies for hiring, promoting, and keeping workers of, quote, diverse backgrounds. The diversity the government is seeking is not diversity of ideas, outlook, or work experience. In contemporary political parlance, diversity pr- refers primarily to the color of one's skin and not the content of one's character. And, of course, we know where that comes from. The executive order says the federal government must create a culture that encourages collaboration, flexibility, and fairness to enable individuals to participate to their full potential. And I would add, except for the white guys. In the name of fairness, however, the government will intensify programs that discriminate against white Americans by extending special privileges to everyone else. So that's what we talked about before. In other words, our salary is going to be based on the color of your skin at some point. Article says the order also says that attending a diverse, qualified workforce is one of the cornerstones of the merit-based civil service. Well, that's nonsense. Though merit and ability are not the metrics of choice when measuring success in diversity-driven career programs. Now, my contention is that diversity is destroying the government because you're taking away the merit. In other words, you take away the people that can do the job, replacing them with categories like Pete Buttigieg, judge because he married a dude judge jackson because she's a black woman uh name anybody else in the government you know uh the the who's the surgeon general the the dude that's that's, uh self-mutilated so he can look like a woman you know all these people none of them are qualified for their positions you know they're there by category and because none of them are qualified everything's going to fall apart that's that's what i'm leading to pianki you're absolutely right yeah. Judge Too Jackson, as Biden said, he she was selected because of her skin color. I tell mm-hmm. you what, she should be the first one to be removed because of misbehavior if the opportunity arrives. Well, I think they, I think everybody, and I've said this before too, and she wasn't on the court at the time, but uh, you know we'll, we'll give her a chance to just screw up now that she's there. It won't take long. But everybody except for Clarence Thomas. And Sam Alito, the only two judges, and I say judges because that's what the Constitution says, folks. That's why I do that. I actually read it. You know, Article 3, take a look. So the only two judges who approved of the Texas case, which the Constitution mandates the Supreme Court take, disputes between the states are a mandatory uh, case for the Supreme Court. 
of a primary jurisdiction, not appellate. In other words, they don't have to go through the lower courts first. Primary jurisdiction goes first to the Supreme Court, a dispute between the states. They were mandated to take that, and yet only two judges voted to take it, Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas. All the rest of them, including the three stooges from the Federalist Society that Trump appointed, all the liberals, well, of course, liberals aren't qualified to serve on the Supreme Court anyway because they don't believe in the Constitution. They don't understand what it, what, uh, what it means to be a judge and not an act, advocate, an activist. So I, I can't see any liberal that's actually qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Let me state that for the record. But you look at the others, the three stooges, you know, uh, Barrett, uh, Gorsuch, and uh, Fratboy, Kavanaugh. They didn't take the case. And yet they call themselves conservatives from the Federalist Society. And they've read Article 3. They know it's there. They know they were bound to take the case, and yet they didn't do it. So there's only two judges who sit on the court right now. Pianchi? I agree. That's the quality. You know, knowing the Constitution mm-hmm. and the documents, founding documents of this country should be mandatory mm-hmm. for any candidate that's running for an elected position. Well, well, let's talk about the Senate confirmations for a second, because I think you're absolutely right. But why is it that not one person, not one senator, either they don't know or they don't care? I don't know which it is. But not one of them said to any of those people, or any from, from Jackson to Gorsuch to uh, Frapoy to uh, Coney Barrett, not one of them said, you know, when they said the judges are life appointment, said that's not true. You're only there for good behavior. You know, or when they talked about settled law, and not one senator said, well, that's not true. There is no such thing as settled law. That's why we have lawyers and courts and legislatures. Law is never settled. It's just temporarily settled by whatever was voted or whatever was decided or however a court case ruled affecting those parties. But law is never settled. Otherwise, you would, if law was settled, you know, we could just go back to Magna Carta and just govern from that. Or we go back to the Bible, Ten Commandments, govern from that. It's probably not a bad idea, actually. But you know, law, law is not settled. And these people, they don't question it. You know, it is so corrupt. As we talked about it with Josie, it is so corrupt and so bad that the people don't even know when it's, when it's time to correct something. They, they're not even at the point of knowing when they have to speak up. It's not that they don't know what to say. That's, 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 you know, that's true. But they don't even know that they have to say something. That's how bad it is. Hmm. So what's the magic of having a government that represents population? What's the magic of having so many, you know, having Hispanic engineers that represent the population of Hispanics? Where did this all come from? Why, why is this somehow desirable? It makes no sense to me. What's the it's goal? Self-segregation. Here? But what's the real goal? Okay. It's not necessary for, uh, you know, uh, short people to be basketball players. And, you know, but diversity rules would say that short people have to be basketball players. That doesn't make sense. So what's the goal here? Is it to destroy society? Is it that these people are so wrapped up in their ideology that they don't understand that they're destroying the country because diversity doesn't work, but merit does? Merit is the only thing that works. And that works for immigration. It works for hiring. It works for corporations. It works for complex systems and companies. It works for engineering. It works for everything. Merit is the only thing that works. Any other system is going to fall apart. It it most certainly should work on immigration. People that come to the country should be coming to add to it, not to make their lives better. Let me go over uh, our comments here from Shanide uh, 77 uh, Cyanide. It looks like S-C-I-E-N-I-D-E. I'm, that's probably a Dutch word. You have to explain what that is. But anyway, I, if I say cyanide, that's like a poison here. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're talking about here 
Uh, it says we're talking about that's worldwide. Also in the Netherlands, we got people in positions they know nothing about. Okay, and this is Minister of Finances doesn't know a thing about finance. So Netherlands, we got to get you on the Skype line, or at least I guess he's at work, right? So he can't call in. Um, but it'd be nice to uh, get some kind of connection here. I, but I love the typings here. It says the guy that knows about finances is Minister of Foreign Affairs. Uh, and sucks at it. Oh, that's interesting. And the minister of, of defense is a woman that wears high heels all the time. He's <laughs> I can go on. So Holland's no better than we are. They're all affected by this woke nonsense. You know, you've got a finance guy. Uh, like the, the finance person is in foreign affairs. The, the minister of defense doesn't know what they're doing. And the finance person hasn't a clue either. So where is this rush to appoint the idiocracy? We've got to do a show on the idiocracy. What is this rush to idiocy? What is this rush to insanity? What is this headlong rush? It's like you know the rock's rolling down the hill and there's nothing you can do about it, or at least you try to, but you don't want to stand in front of it because you're going to get run over. So you've got to find a way to destroy the boulder going down the hill from the side so that you're not affected by it, but you still, but you still don't understand why nobody can see the boulder rolling down the hill. That's where I think we are. The nation of idiots. And the idiots are in charge. Well, yeah, you're right. How come the idiots are in charge? You don't see all this lot. Of blacks running for president of the United States because they've seen how it, it should be done. Not that they qualify, but just sit back and watch. In the meantime, you got to recapture your children. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and uh, and the first thing you do, you get rid of the government education system completely. Uh, and then you go to, uh, you know, private education and, and parents. Yeah. Well, like I say, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I wish more parents did what I did. I talk to my kid. It's not that tough. You talk to your kid directly. No machines, no boxes, no stuff in the way. Just talk to your kids. Single best thing parents can do. All right, so here's February 16th, 2023, fact sheet. President Biden, well, of course, they say that. This is from the White House. Signs executive order to strengthen racial equity and support for underserved communities across the federal government. So this is exactly Obama's executive order from 2011. And this is right from the White House. This is what they said. So it says on his stay in office, I'll call him resident. I'm being charitable. Biden signed executive order 13985, advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government. The order emphasized the enormous human costs of systemic racism and persistent poverty and provided a powerful and unprecedented mandate for all federal agencies to launch a whole of government approach to equity. This is suicidal. <laughs> Over the past two years, agencies have taken historic steps toward ensuring that federal programs are serving the American people in an equitable and just manner and supporting communities that have been locked out of opportunity. Wait a minute. Ever since the Civil Rights Act, nobody has been locked out of opportunity except by themselves. You look at Democrat inner city populations where the Democrat Party rules the place and puts black kids in substandard schools. That's by design. It's not that they're underserved. They're not being underserved because of, you know, a lack of racial equality. They're being underserved because they, they need to serve the state and remain poor and victims their whole lives. So what's, they've got this backwards. And, and it's like, Pianki, I feel like you and me are the only ones that really see a lot of this. Or the people that do see it aren't speaking up. They're just so afraid to say that, you know. See, here's the thing. That, yeah. They want the federal government to build these things. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a group wanting me to build a little school. Mm-hmm. And I even did some research. I went to Naperville, Illinois, and looked at some models. Then I got to thinking, well, if I build this school, who's going to maintain it? I mean, it's going to have to have maintenance. 
mm-hmm. heating and air conditioned maintenance. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be around the rest of my life providing those assets, those funds in order to do that. And they're not doing it now with what they have. So that's what you got. You want people to look to the federal government for development. Governments don't develop cities. Private money develops cities. If that was the case, you got some democratic cities that have been democratic for 70-some-odd years, over 73 years, and they don't look developed to me. It's private dollars. And private dollars is not going to stick their money where it's tantamount to sitting on the corner of an intersection in a city street. So how many cities have advanced under Democrat rule where they've actually built new buildings, built new communities, found more efficient ways to distribute energy and, and heat and cool and have better infrastructure, better transportation? Name one Democrat-controlled city that's actually advanced under their Marxism. Well, I can name one at one time that was uh, Maynard Jackson in Atlanta. And believe it or not, the mayor of Washington, D.C., who was a crack at it. He done a damn good job as a mayor. Interesting. That's Marion Barry, right? Marion Barry. Barry, yes. So what did he do right? I'm just curious. Tell, what, what was he? What was he doing? He made ways similar to Donald Trump. He made ways for business. Hmm. It's for business. You know, I'm reading this White House statement. Mayor Jackson actually, done the same thing. Mayor Jackson, Mayor Jackson was Jackson Atlanta. Done the same thing. Huh. Yes. So. You know, I'm a strong uh, follower of Ayn Rand who, you know, basically everything's individual. Everything comes from individual accomplishment. You look at anything meaningful that was done, whether it was inventions or new policies or new philosophies or anything, it it all starts with an individual. Oh, yeah, you get help and and things grow. But uh, it really takes an individual to kick things off. So if if you don't value your individuals and individual rights, then everything stagnates. The minute it becomes group. You know, there's a reason that the Japanese are, are, are uh, brilliant in business and brilliant in engineers, but they don't have a whole lot of Nobel Prizes to their credit. And the reason is, and I've read this in an article a while back, that the reason is that uh, Japan, like a lot of countries, values the group. You sacrifice for the group. And in sacrificing for the group, you sacrifice your individuality. Now, a couple of folks you know, <clears throat> did pretty well, Honda, Toyota, you know, some other folks. But as a whole, the country of Japan does not encourage individual achievement. You know, unless it can be somehow promoted by the group. China, of course, doesn't. So you look at the advances. You look at any advance in technology. It all comes from a place that values individuality. It all comes from a place that values freedom. You know, the reason we got to the moon first is because we were the freest country, not because we had the world's brightest people. We took the world's brightest people and gave them opportunity. That's the difference. There are bright people all over the world. I not? You know, I've traveled a bunch. So have you. They're bright people all over the place, but the thing is they can't reach their potential because they don't have freedom. Freedom is what works. And another key yes. thing is that you don't force people to join the group. People join yes. the group because they volunteer to it, and they have something in peculiar that mm-hmm. they can add and provide for the overall goal. Yeah, and you also have to have profit. You have to get something out of it. You have to be able to, you know, to accumulate property. You know, I'm doing action radio for a couple of reasons. One, I want to get the freest, the freest society for the, the greatest number of people worldwide. And two, I kind of want a jet. So I have my own interest in this too. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I intend to make a profit at this, on a good one. But I also intend to create a system that allows people a freedom to do things they've never done before. And in doing that work, you know, I should profit from it. And that's, that's wholly compatible with a free society. 
you know, the, the altruist, the person that only sacrifices for others and gets nothing for themselves, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of World War II airplanes I want to fly too. You know, I got plans. But I also don't mind working well, my ass off for freedom. Well, businesses buy into that, like Target. Target got a section that's hmm. for African-American business. Hmm. You got uh, other countries and other companies got sections in their stores, their retail, uh, hmm. that black business, the black products. And so, that's ridiculous. So what you're trying to do is force people to go there in that mm-hmm. section and buy the things in that section, whereas they otherwise would normally yeah. not because mm-hmm. those things are not appealing to them that would cause them to come by them in the first place. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You, you go to a grocery store, and there's a section on international foods, and it seems to have the, the two big groups are like Asian and Mexican. And so there's a bunch of products from Mexico in my, my supermarket here in, in uh, Milton, Florida, uh, and there's a, there's a bunch of Asian foods. And we don't have a huge Asian community, um, but enough that there's a section in the, in the food store. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's like those, I mean, there are people from countries that have certain products. As a Canadian, I'd love to have more maple products. There was a, there's a maple ice cream in Canada that's fabulous, but I can't get it in the United States. So I grew up on maple products, you know, being Canadian. So I'd love to have it. In fact, there's like Canadian candy bars I see in, in the stores now, too. I'm familiar with those. Those are Cadbury. He's <laughs> Canadian. You know, um, coffee crisps, things like that. You know, there's some, there's some Canadian stuff that's really cool. So that's my heritage. Okay. So, but nobody makes a big deal of the international section. In other words, it's not it, like prices aren't lowered for minorities or they don't, uh, it doesn't say, you know, the Mexican food section, <laughs> for example. But everybody recognizes, or like Goya beans are there and different things like that. And so it's there, but it's not labeled. You know, this isn't black food and white food and Asian food and uh, Hispanic food. They don't do that. But it, but it looks like Target is. So that's the difference. So there's nothing wrong with featuring things that, that certain people might like because of heritage culture or the fact that it's just good. I love some of the Mexican stuff. You know? but, it, but it is bad if you're saying that these are the black-owned businesses and black people should shop there because it's supporting black people. That's the difference. And I don't think people see that difference. They don't. It just flies right over their head. Yeah. Let me read one more thing and then we're done for today. I just want to finish this one paragraph because this is how much these people really believe in what they're doing. It says, over the past two years, agencies have taken historic steps toward ensuring that federal programs are serving the American people, except for the white people, that was me adding, uh, in an equitable and just manner and supporting communities that have been locked out of opportunity. Through the implementation of landmark legislation and historic executive action, see, they're so proud of themselves, right? The Biden-Harris administration is working to make real the promise of America for everyone, including rural communities, communities of color, tribal communities, LGBTQI+, pretty soon we're going to run out of letters, right? Individuals, uh, people with disabilities, women and girls, and communities impacted by persistent poverty. Who's left out? You know who's left out. The white guys. <laughs> Everybody else is included. Well, yeah. so this is a government... <clears throat> you see you know? that with uh, the Department of Education. No. Yeah, the Department of Agriculture in the lawsuit, the uh, right. Pickford lawsuit, uh-huh. where black farmers was proven that the Department of Agriculture uh, violated their, their civil rights. So you had Bush Jr. and Obama made money available to compensate them for claims. Only thing is, whites was also experiencing the same racist tactics. 
So they had to stop it because the white farmers sued. They mm-hmm. said, wait a minute. <laughs> Here is where I show I experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I do. No, so no, this is, I, I was thinking. Yeah. No, I was thinking that uh, this is, well, like I say, they get rid of all the competent white guys and the government's going to be screwed up because if you're doing diversity. And here's the thing, though. What about, you know, uh, black qualified, Hispanic qualified, Asian qualified, female qualified people that are qualified that don't care about this diversity nonsense? So in other words, are they seeking people of diversity, quote, you know, that are purposefully not competent? Or is there is there some kind of advantage? In other words, do they have a a diversity of, of idiocy? You know, are they looking for people that purposely well, can't do, do the job? Go ahead. You are stigmatizing those young people that work typically hard. Huh. They work hard. Okay. Well, I had a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and she roomed with a white female in college. And I can't think which one it was. I think of Onion Heart, and I'm not sure. But she called, she said, Daddy. Her roommate is up at 3 in the morning. I can't do that. I got to get some sleep. Mm-hmm. Her white roommate is up at 3 in the morning doing homework and mm-hmm. work to prepare for the next day. So now what happens when you have black kids that work hard and achieve good grades, they don't want to bring home anything less than a 95. Then at some point in time, they're going to be stigmatized because people will say, well, you're an affirmative action child of students, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. was given perks and privileges. Yes, that's terrible. So, and I thought about this last night, too. Whatever I've accomplished in my life in this country, I know that it's by merit alone because I'm not eligible for anything, and nobody else can say that. So everybody else can be questioned, male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, doesn't matter. Everybody else can be questioned, well, white women, except for the white guys. The white guys are the one group in this country that knows that we accomplished what we accomplished because of our own merit. And, of course, then they'll say white privilege. And I got an article that doesn't – white privilege is a bunch of nonsense. There's no such thing as white privilege in the country with affirmative action, you know, changes in test scores, all the things that we talk about here, set aside scholarships, all the favoritism that goes on. Uh, women over men, you know, all the all the, the races except white. There's no way that you can have white privilege in a country that does everything to give privilege to everybody else but the white guys. That just can't exist. That's incompatible and irrational to think it is. But here's my question, though. Last question for today. So you've got uh, a job, a uh, federal job. Five black guys <laughs> apply for it, all right? So there's no diversity there, right? So, so the question is, which black guy did they pick for the job? It's a government job. If they want diversity... Still should be, it still should be the best person. Well, of course it should. Okay, now, I, that's that's not what I'm saying, though. But see, let's project a little bit into the government. Okay, so think about this. So you've got five black guys. They're all qualified. They're all good at the job. But this is, this is the new world of diversity, right? So obviously the person hired is going to be a black guy because they're the ones that applied. If a white guy applied, he wouldn't be hired. We know that. Five black guys. So how do they decide which person? My theory is that they're going, to be, they're going to select the person that values the leftist diversity theory the most. So in other words, if you have a, one of the black guys, we'll say fiercely independent, went to school, worked hard, acted white, I'm teasing you, you know, did all the things for merit, are they going to be picked for the government job? I don't think so. I think the government in this climate is going to pick the black candidate black guy candidate who most values diversity and is probably not the most intelligent, probably didn't work the hardest, but is going to promote the idea 
that diversity is what makes the country strong over a, a black guy who has more merit, who has more intelligence, worked harder, did all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's like an underlying current going on here that they're building a government of mediocrity. And if you ever watch the, uh, the movie The Fountainhead, um, there are speeches on this. And mediocrity is the key to success and happiness. Go for the medium. You know, subvert your, your talents to the, to the masses. Don't stand out. Don't be special. And I think that we, should, we need to start talking about that, too. I need to get to some fountainhead analogy. But if you've got five black guys for the same position in government, in a diversity government, do they weed out the individuals who believe in the old system of merit, and do they accept the diversity candidates regardless of their qualifications? That's my question. Well, affirmative action was supposed to do this. Invite everyone to the table, no matter mm-hmm. who, and what, who they are and what they look like. Hmm. Make sure that you get the message out to invite everyone to the table. That's it. You shouldn't have to receive extra points because you grew up in a neighborhood where there was gunshots every night. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to get extra points because at some point in time your water is cut off. You know what I'm saying? But Mm -hmm. that do exist. It's wrong. But, it, but I still have the question, and obviously there's not an answer yet. We need to puzzle this over a little bit. But if, you've got a, if you're in a diversity government, you're in, a, you're, you're in a brand Obama, you're the brand Obama government, all right, which values diversity above everything. You've got five black guys running for, for a job. How do they decide which black guy to pick? Well, it depends on who's receiving the application. And I can tell you right now, you better not indicate that you're conservative and you support Trump. So there is, so exactly. So in other words, even in diversity, there is conformity, which is what I was, which is what I'm thinking, that if you've got five black guys running for a government job, you've got your your diversity under the government program, but which one gets the job? And it's the one that conforms. It's the one that is the leftist. It's the one that's going to contribute to the Democrat Party. It's it's the one who's going to preach diversity is strength, like George Orwell. It's not going to be the black you not independent show the American flag on your lapel yeah. of your jacket until yeah. you that right now. Yeah. So you got Kanye West going for a job and uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. <laughs> for a government job. Who's going to get the job in this administration? Jesse Jackson Jr. Exactly. So even in diversity, they're not. It's not real diversity. It's actually uh, conformity. They're actually building an idiocracy based on ideology. And on that note, if you're not confused now, then you, <laughs> then you haven't been listening to the show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Let's pick it up again tomorrow. You've done a good job. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Wow, another great show. This is fun. All right, back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. And our, our website here that you're, you're listening to is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. We have an international Skype launch. Just register ahead of time. Uh, and then I can get you on the air. We have live chat. As I said, we've got... Uh, We've got uh, Cyanide77 texting, uh, typing regularly from, from the Netherlands live right to the show. It's afternoon there. It's morning here. Um, we've got uh, our website, writeyourlaws.com. That's where our citizen legislation is, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And we've got uh, um, my Substack. I have to write another Substack article. I'll probably do it on uh, uh, how asset forfeiture can uh, uh, have illegal aliens leave the country voluntarily. It's like, bye, see ya. Well, not self-deport. I wouldn't say voluntarily, but self-deport. That's probably today's Substack article. I haven't done one since my seven-part mammoth uh, series on education. 
And that, and then of course you want to contribute to us, give, send, go.com slash action radio, but I'd much rather have sponsors. I'd rather have people, I'd rather create ads for you. So if you want to be, uh, have an ad on the show, then we can do that. And we just want to contribute. You can do that. Whatever you can do to help our freedom, um, do that. And I'll see you all tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care, and now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gravecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, 
social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.